Hey, Chad Brown here. You may remember me as a linebacker in the NFL or as a reptile breeder and the owner of Pro Exotics. I've been herping since I was a boy, and I've dedicated my life to advancing the industry and educating the community about the importance of reptiles. I also love to encourage the joy of breeding and keeping reptiles as a hobbyist, which is why my partner Robin and Marklin and I create the Reptile Report. The Reptile Report is our online news aggregation site bringing you the most up-to-date discussions from the reptile world. Visit TheReptileReport.com every day to stay on top of the latest reptile news and information. We encourage you to visit the site and submit your exciting reptile news, photos, and links so we can feature outstanding breeders and hobbyists just like you. The Reptile Report offers powerful branding and marketing exposure for your business, and the best part is it's free. If you're a buyer or a breeder, you got to check out the Reptile Report Marketplace. The Marketplace is the reptile world's most complete buying and selling destination, full of features to help put you in touch with the perfect deal. Find exactly what you're looking for with our advanced search system. Search by sex, weight, morph, or other keywords, and use our Buy It Now option to buy that animal right now. Go to marketplace.thereptilereport.com and register your account for free. Be sure to link your Marketplace account to your Ship Your Reptiles account to earn free tokens with each shipping label you book. Use the Marketplace to sell your animals and supplies and maximize your exposure with a platinum ad. It also gets fed to the Reptile Report and our powerful Marketplace Facebook page. Buy and selling? Use shipyourreptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates. ShipYourReptiles.com can also supply you with the materials needed to safely ship your animals successfully. Use ShipYourReptiles.com to take advantage of our discounted priority overnight shipping rates, the materials needed to ship your reptiles successfully, live customer support, and our live on-time arrival insurance program. We got you covered. Visit TheReptileReport.com to learn or share about the animals. Click on the link to the marketplace, find that perfect pet or breeder. Then visit ShipYourReptiles.com to ship that animal anywhere in the United States. We are your one-stop shop for everything reptile-related. Python Radio. Tonight we're doing a little Morelia, etc. Uh, a first ever for us here at NPR. We're doing an Australian venomous snake 
episode. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is uh, this is going to be interesting. I will say from the gate that I am not really that knowledgeable when it comes to venomous snakes. Uh, um, I have a little bit of experience from when I was younger. My father kept a lot of venomous snakes, but as far as you know, keeping them and 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 all that comes with keeping uh, venomous animals. I am not not the exp- most experienced. So I'm looking forward to learning a little bit tonight. Um mm-hmm. I would I would say that uh so 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 everybody knows we have Scott Iper. <laughs> Iper right Iper. this time. Have been, <laughs> yeah. Have we been yeah. mispronouncing this? Wow, we yes. suck. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, we do. Um <laughs> so we ha- <laughs> we're not going to be talking about his pythons this time. We're going to be talking about his uh, venomous uh, collection, and uh, I know he does a lot of field work and such, and field herping, and mm-hmm. um, he also wrote a book, and the book is called uh, Australian Alapids, uh, oh no, A Guide to Australian Snakes in Captivity, Alapids and Colubrids, uh, so it should be cool to hear about some of these species and the protocols and all the you know, different things you have to think about when you're going to work with venomous if you should decide to go down that route, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things of like, I'm on the same boat you have. I have some experience with venomous, but that's just going from, I had friends who had venomous and my job at the zoo, we had two uh, venomous snakes and then we had some heel monsters. And that was pretty much my uh, introduction to venomous. Um, I guess we'll get, the disclaimer out of the way now um and uh this is for anybody who's listening uh before you run out and purchase a venomous snake from somebody online or uh at a show uh please do your homework it takes a lot of experience and a lot of time to work with venomous snakes and uh we just don't want anybody to go get themselves dead because they were listening to the show so um yeah. yeah, this is always one of those uh, topics where you don't want to necessarily, uh, you know, promote that. I, I basically, everybody should not be should not own venomous uh, snakes. Um, I, I see venomous just like I see crocodilians. There are some people who should own them, and there's some people that what the fuck are you doing with this thing? So it's <laughs> yeah. like you know, exactly, you know. If you're some guy who's got this great setup in Florida or, and like, you know, and you could put like an outdoor pond and put a gator outside where he's totally happy. Cool. If you're some guy with in a row home in Philadelphia, you do not need that. So (laughs) I kind of see the same way with venomous, you know, and also I kind of see venomous as like, I almost want it to be like falconry where you have to go an apprentice with, uh, falconer in order to get a falconry license to go get a bird. I, I yeah. would love it if you had to go work with somebody who had venomous in order to get the license to get the venomous. Unfortunately, we know that's not the case where if I so chose, I could have a black mamba delivered to my house tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that definitely is something that uh, you know we should police ourselves when it comes to that stuff. And I'm curious to hear uh, the laws in Australia and uh, yeah. what, what difference is between uh, here us in the states. I know Pennsylvania is really kind of uh, you know <laughs> you can have liberal. Everything. 
<laughs> liberal when it but comes. A hedgehog. Yeah. <laughs> no hedgehog. Everything. But a hedgehog. You have a hedgehog, they'll kick in your door and take it away. <laughs> That's pretty funny. <laughs> they'll walk they'll walk past they will walk past your King Cobra to take or the hedgehog. Your, or your Siberian tiger, you know. <laughs> yeah, Nile Crocodile, yeah, Jesus <laughs> Christ. That's that's okay. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, yeah, we're just waiting a couple minutes for Scott to uh, to call in, and uh, we'll get it started. But um, before we do, let's, uh, you know, well, let's get the Carpet Fest stuff out of the way. So, yeah. um, Carpet Fest, we'll start with the one that's coming up next is April 30th, and that's the Southern Carpet Fest, uh, and that's uh, yeah. going to be hosted by our good friend Bill Stiegel um, from – Phoenix Reptiles, uh, and uh, that's going to be an awesome time. So if you're down there in the south or, you know, jump on a plane and head on down, uh, I know that they're really trying to get a head count. So uh, if you are going, um, you know, contact uh, uh, Evan Browder or you can contact Bill um, and uh, just let them know that you're going to be headed down. That way they know what to do with food. Um he was telling me tonight that they're having some kind of barbecue type of thing I'm where <laughs> <laughs> the guy's showing up with a smoker and a, I'm telling what? you, man, it, yeah, it's going to be nuts. So, yeah. And, I, and, 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 you know, and I'm like, I have a charcoal grill. It's like, oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ, Bill. Yeah. Showing us up uh, on our own event. Yeah, right. So uh yeah, we're gonna have to uh we're gonna have to break out something on that up. I'm gonna get the moon I'm gonna get a moon bounce castle and that'll be the <laughs> highlight of the whole thing. There yeah. you go. Um yeah. May twentieth is going to be the um su- southwest um carpet fest. Um if you wanna get find out more details about the Southwest Carpet Fest then contact either I guess April or Terrell yep. um, from Des- Designer Exotics. Uh, those, those guys out there are running it. And uh, again, if you're out there on the West Coast, here's your opportunity to go and uh, you know hang out with uh, fellow reptile nerds and uh, you know just basically have a snake nerd barbecue is what I call it. Um, and then of course there's the uh, you know, the Northeast, uh, the original, yeah. the original, yes, uh, the original. save the best for last type of God thing. Damn right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. The May 21st is going to it uh, is. be ours. And, uh, we're going to have the t-shirt designs at some point, May 21st in Birdsboro, Pennsylvania at my house. So if you are coming, drop me a PM, uh, let me know what you're going to bring. I'll probably be uh, bugging everybody's ear as we get closer, um, and we'll see how it goes there. And also, we'll probably start getting stuff ready for the auction. Um, yeah. And we'll get that moving in the right direction. And I found out that actually um, that day is the next Oaks Reptile Show. So mm-hmm. um, I started inviting people as I was at Oaks. I'm like, hey. Once you're done with the show, if you want to pop by my place, it's right down the road. So, um, oh, there you yeah, go. that turns out. Yeah, and if I have to, I can run out and get rats early in the morning. So, <laughs> it's like. 
Yeah. Just awesome. run down the road, grab the stuff, come back. Yeah, it's perfect. <laughs> so we won't even so know we'll you're definitely going. Definitely No, you won't, because you'll just be <laughs> loose in my house, cleaning yeah. my snakes. So. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so uh, lots of uh, different events going on. Um, you know, I think that's one of the things I love about the carpet community in general is just the uh, um, the fact that uh, you know. We are a community, and we try to get together and hang out and have a good old time. Maybe one of these years we're going to have a, um, uh, what would it be, a USA uh, oh, Carpet Fest. It, uh, I'm just going to call it a Carpet Coalition. And what I'll say is that the Carpet Coalition is everybody needs to come to Tinley in October and wear your car- various Carpet Fest T-shirts or Morelia Python Radio T-shirts on the Saturday. Yeah. Okay. So just everybody who is hearing my voice now, make your way to Tinley in October, wear your Carpet Fest or Morelia Python radio T-shirts, and we'll have a freaking ball. And Eric yeah. will buy all the drinks. <laughs> for me and you. <laughs> for, for me and you. Not, not for you people. No, it's for me and him. Yeah, forget you guys. So <laughs> the, uh, yeah, that would be, I think, the best place to do it. It would be awesome that way. So. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. We uh, we booked a hotel for uh, Tinley Park. Already? <laughs> yeah, for October. We got that, we got that uh, shit done early. Yeah, we're ready to rock, you know. Now we just need to uh, get the table and, uh, you know, we're, we'll be good. So, um, good times for sure. The Tinley Park was this past weekend. uh was the March um, Mm-hmm. Uh, version uh, seemed like everybody had a good time. I didn't really see a whole lot of pics or stuff on Facebook, but no, really wasn't following hear, much. And normally, there's normally there's like one or two exciting things at Tinley that you all see pictures of. And the only picture I caught to see was this stormtrooper ball python. And yeah, that's I pretty was cool. disappointed. <laughs> so, oh, you were? Yeah, nothing. Well, yeah, well, I mean, like, it looked cool, but normally it's like there's a, like, uh, in October, there was that conjurer that was, like, almost all black sitting on somebody's table. There was a uh, yes. water monitor on someone's table. That, that was pretty neat. But, I mean, like, you know, th- there's usually a bunch of other pictures of other stuff that would appeal to everybody or is kind of freaky. Oh, uh, they had the earless monitors there, too. That's kind of cool. So, oh yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, they did have some cool stuff. I, I retract my statement. So, <laughs> well, I'm sure they had awesome stuff. It's just that, like I said, I didn't see a whole lot of it just online. Usually, there's, you know, videos and pictures and you know all kinds everything, of everything. Yeah, and it, it might have been there, we, but because we weren't I there. It. I mean, <laughs> we weren't yeah. there, so there weren't sure. that many pictures taken. You know, there yeah. wasn't that many crazy antics, and nobody sent anybody a fruity pink drink from across the bar. <laughs> yeah. <So. laughs> that only Those type of shenanigans only happen in October. <laughs> only happen in October. Right. So, it, but it, it's one of those things that, like, I'm looking forward to it now, and I blame Matt Minitola completely for getting me all jazzed up about it. He's like, we're going to book now. I'm like, yeah, it's book, in October. It's book for October. Yeah. What is that? Oh, several months away. Damn it. So it's like, you know, it, it, it's something to look forward to um, and get hyped. And then it, yeah, I, almost, I almost forgot. It's like, 
Yeah, we, I wish it was sooner. No, you don't, because you don't have any babies, Owen. You have nothing <laughs> to bring with you, Doc, to Tinley in October. It needs to be several months away so you can actually have things to go with. So, Right. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I got a lot of stuff, so it should be cool. Um, for me, you hoard <laughs> things. I mean, you, yeah. you, you don't sell things. I do. I, so. <laughs> I know I got a problem. Uh, speaking still. of things coming, um, you know, and getting new things and such, um, I did receive a nice little, uh, package, uh, today from, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I, I consider him the godfather of carpets. Uh, and then, you know, there's like his right hand man or whatever you want to say, but, uh, Paul Harris, UK Python, <clears throat> I mean, you know, the guy delivers all the time. You know, I've never had nothing but the best. Um, you know, and I don't know. I just, I, I, well, I, I showed it to you today. The uh, So I got a female. Oh. Caramel. Those were, wait, those were new additions? I thought these are things you already had. No. What? So, <laughs> well, the Granite Jack. No, already, the Granite Jack. Hey, thank already, you. Yeah. I can't uh, shit straight. <laughs> Uh, but I added a caramel zebra granite, um, which is a uh, pretty, pretty awesome looking snake. And then a granite zebra male, um, you know, that both will probably be up to season, up to size next season. Uh, nice. You know, I have uh, faith that uh, that'll happen. Um, so that kind of completes that whole <sighs> granite uh combo uh you know um i i what would you say granite combo uh pairings and such project or whatever the, I, the, the 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 branch of the carpet tree that is granite so you you you've checked all the ones on the list now yeah so it you know for I'm the most excited. part yeah, you know, I mean, uh, there's still you, like organic stuff to make everything. Yeah, you can make everything else though now. Yeah, you have all the building blocks. Yeah, yeah. So pretty excited about that. We were talking before the show. You know, this season yeah. I probably will have three to five carpet clutches, but um, mm-hmm. next season. Tell them how many. I, Tell them. I could <laughs> do it. I could be looking at about. 35, what did it say, 35, 35, 35 clutches. carpet clutches. Tell them which, the small number, which is if you had an average of, what did you say, 12 eggs. 12 at eggs. 35 pairings. 12 eggs that, each. That would be 412 baby carpets. And no repeats. It's not like you're doing eight, well, the IJs. It's not like you're doing eight jungle clutches. It's a bunch of mix-match craziness. 400 babies. Yeah. That covers everything like, from coastals, inlands, uh, brettle. Uh, what else? Um, a couple IJs. Imbricata? Oh, no, no, not Imbricata. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Granite crosses. Diamond jungle jack Zebras, crosses. Albinos. Albinos. Um, yeah, sun glow Zebra stuff. Green. Um, oh, you're gonna be reading poison double. ivy to a kid. It's just yeah. gonna be like, oh, oh god, oh god. <laughs> what a season! I, Watch, I, I won't get I shit. Said, I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm building it up. You're, you're moving. You're 
moving. <laughs> you have the potential of 35 clutches, the biggest season you've ever had, and you're going to move right before it. Oh, man. Talk about like, stupidity. Do you, like, do you realize <laughs> what you're doing to yourself? Yeah. Oh, no. I might just have to keep sta- – I might have to have both spots until the <laughs> Eric's going to have two houses just – just yeah. Over. <laughs> What's in that house? Oh, I just keep my snakes in there. My snakes. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, oh god. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I yeah. I I could have did more this year, but um, I don't know. It just seems like. Hey, it's whatever you can handle, and and I don't think there's ever anything wrong with shooting a little bit lower in numbers and. You know, a lot of times I hear breeders getting overwhelmed at the amount of babies that they have because, you know, either some babies don't sell and they're nipping at the heels of the year before and all this other stuff. So, you know, you it, I don't think there's anything wrong with shooting for four or five clutches. And if you're happy with four or five clutches, that's it. Just done. You're good. Um, well, the one thing that I am trying to do for next year is that – I'm not against this at all, you know. I see yeah. that just a lot of these, like, carpet crosses and mutants and crazy, like, morphs and all, they're all imported. Yeah. They're all imported, you know, um, which... You're trying to bring obvi- shit here. Yeah, I mean, obviously it has to be imported in order to, to do it at all. So it's not like I'm... Well, I'm yeah, anti-import, but, but, but I'm just trying to offer something that's, uh, you know, you know, on, on home well, home if base. We think, if we think about the crazy combos and the crazy morphs, uh, everybody automatically thinks of Nick, but Nick doesn't do any of the crazy combos and morphs, like the newer stuff. Like, he only does pure this and pure that and pure that. So yeah. he will only take you so far. Now, then there's Carrie and Todd, and they will breed, and they're very good at the morphs, and they have a bunch of different projects and all the combinations there. Then there's also Hesham, who is just starting to get his feet off the ground. He's got a couple pairings uh, with his stuff going right now, some of the high-dollar stuff there. And then, of course, you have the importations of all the other animals. So as we go by breeders of high-end funky combo and crazy morphs, you got Carrie and Todd and you got Hesham, and then maybe a sporadic sprinkling in between. So if we added you to the mix, then we're just having fun. So... um, (laughs) It, 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 and I think it would be cool to actually have animals like born and bred in the United States. Um, and uh, not that there's anything wrong with the importations, just it would be much cooler to have, you know, th- to start seeing those projects getting reproduced here. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah, necessarily. I'm for, and I'm all for you making a bunch of crazy animals because I have that 90% discount for being a co host. <laughs> Yeah, I won't tell that you're getting carpet crosses. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, you will. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> you know what? You know what is a possibility. Will. If it, there's a possibility, I mean, it's 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 very I'm slight, listening. but there's a possibility that I could produce a tiger albino next season. Possibility, you know. Um, Can I have it? <laughs> um, we, no. you know, I, yeah, I, I, we should see. I don't know. You know, I don't like to push stuff. Um, but there, there, those. 
Why? Those two in particular. Nothing. Um, that would. That I don't like so to push cool. stuff. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't want like to push stuff, but those eat. It's like you know, it's those would be awesome. I want exantic tigers, though. I don't know why I just do. <laughs> yeah, they'll be cool for sure. You know, and then there's that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so for like the the past couple of years, I've really been just breeding, um, you know, uh, like t- to the foundation to make future projects for myself. You know, double heads. And yeah, but head, now head now those stuff. animals are starting to come to those animals are starting to push up and come to fruition. I mean, you know, yeah. they're all starting to grow up. You're starting to get this, that, and the other thing. And what a lot of people don't understand is they look at all the animals that you have for sale, and of course everybody's like, "Man, that thing's gorgeous." What they don't understand is that you have five that you've decided to keep for yourself, and this is the one you're letting go. So yeah. it's like in the next couple of years, those really gorgeous animals that nobody has seen but myself and a few other people are going to start, <laughs> you know, breeding. So yeah, so you know, there's there's all that coming. So. It, uh, we're going to have to start getting more tables at Tinley. It's going to be like, you know, oh, those are Eric's three tables, and that's Owen way down there. So, you know, <laughs> his corner, his little little island. Yeah. yeah. So. Well, it's also cool because, um, you know, I, you, we've talked about this at Tinley before, but, you know, we always get attention when you bring adult carpet pythons. Mm-hmm. Um, and to actually sort of have that, you know what I mean, to, to, to be at the point where – we're gonna have that. Um, will be very cool. Yeah. So. If, so yeah, if I'm, I wasn't I'm excited. So damn nervous. If I wasn't so damn nervous, I'd bring Vulcan to uh, uh, Tinley, like just to bring an older rough scale python to show off. But wow. uh, you know me, and you know I'd be like sleeping like underneath the table at Tinley just to make sure he didn't go anywhere. So it's like. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'll bring a picture of him. You guys can all look at that. So, um, yeah, it'll just be like but, this little plaque there on the table. Um, <laughs> it's like we have all the Morelia and a printed picture of a rough scale for everyone to look at. <laughs> yeah, a three a three D printed image of the rough scale. Three D printed image of him. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No one can actually breathe on it, but yeah. <laughs> So yeah, uh, the season. Uh, I mean, how's how's your season coming along? Are you where where we, are you? At? Uh, I got thirty. I got thirty five eggs on the ground right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's and that's from five eggs from my uh, tiger jag to red tiger, and uh-huh. then the rest are rest are from my caramel female to my uh-huh. caramel jag. So we're getting super caramel jags again, uh, and then. My breadlight female refused food, which if everybody here, anybody here knows breadlight, that never happens. So uh, I'm hoping, and she's looking pretty swollen up. Uh, I have a tiger male on loan from Jason Balin, who's been breeding the hell out of a coastal female. And Balin and I did this pairing in 2013 together, and it yielded some really nice tigers. And he and I both wish we had kept animals back, but didn't. Um because people pop up and they're like, I got this tiger. I'm like, God damn it. So uh, that's going well. <laughs> and then my red my red tiger to high con tiger, they're breeding like crazy. Uh, my red jag to high contrast, Queensland are breeding like crazy. So it's like the season isn't over yet. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. 
I'm, I might be still looking down the barrel at three to four clutches. I don't know what the White Lips are doing. They're they're just kind of here. So, um, <laughs> and the Olives, are, they they don't care. Same thing with the Maglots. They don't want they want nothing to do with each other. So, you know, it's you, I might be looking down the barrel at you know three four clutches of carpet python still, and you know, which means those eggs aren't going to be here till probably you know Mayish maybe. And then you're looking at eggs hatching around July-ish, which I've had before. But, you know, we're starting to really get late into the season. We're starting to get coastals clutches that are going to hatch the same time as breadline. So it just kind of is weird for right now. But uh, I'm more the merrier. I want to try to get close to 100 babies this year. So Yeah, see, you're talking about 100. And I'm talking about like you know 400. <laughs> That's a big. I know. Difference, man. It's it's. And oh I my god! Every year, right before, right when the eggs are laid, I I I remove all the bins that are empty from my baby rack, and and all the 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 hide boxes and the water bowls and all this stuff, and I take them and I completely like full bore like sanitize the hell out of them, just so they're fresh and clean for when hatchlings hit them. And mm-hmm. right now I'm staring at the stacks of cages, and it's a, there are about 110 cages mm-hmm. I'm looking at right now, as well as like buckets filled with their hide boxes and water bowls. And all I can think about is if, like, when you mentioned 400, I'm like I'd be looking at like five more stacks of cages, and who God knows how many buckets full of shit to do 400 cages, and that's ridiculous. Wow! Wow! Holy shit! Yeah. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you're gonna be that guy. Yeah, <laughs> that's you, buddy. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. What, yeah, What's I, wrong I, with you? <laughs> you know, I I don't know how hard that would be to sell. Like, you know, <laughs> I, well, I would I, really. I I think some things would kind of fly. Like, I mean. I'm pretty sure that if you produce 400 babies, it'd be like Nick. When he produces his, like, however, I'm pretty, pretty sure he produces, like, 2,000 a year or something crazy. There are some <laughs> babies that people are lined up for that, like, the second they hatch, he knows that people are coming to get them. Um, and then there are other babies that when I call about the baby I wanted, he convinces me to take this one and this one because I kind of want it, but I really don't, and he says, do it, and I do it. So, right. They're probably going to be with those 400 babies. They're going to be babies that people are going to line up and try to buy. And then there are going to be other babies that maybe people need some pushing. And then there are going to be some babies who are like, get the fuck out of here. Like, why (laughs) are you still here? So, like, that is what it always is. And that's what it is with every clutch. So I imagine with your 400 babies, they're probably going to be 200 babies that, that sell relatively quickly or very quickly. And then you're going to have the other 200 babies that you're going to have to grow up, you're going to have to wait for someone who's in the market for it, you're going to have to see who might want this, who might want that, you know, and sometimes opportunities arrive. Like, I had a super caramel jag that just would not leave, and he was very pretty, and it ended up taking somebody losing one of their animals, a a caramel jag that they bought from somebody else, before Mm -hmm. they came and bought the super caramel jag from me. So it's just sometimes the opportunity for a sale has to come appear. So, yeah, I mean, you're 400 babies, and here's to say you do the 400 babies next year. 
who's to say you're going to do another 400 babies the year following? You could decide that was, I still have 200 babies. I'm going to breed like 12 this year. Like I'm going to make 12 eggs. Yeah. One clutch. That's it. But you know, it, it, the way I've, I've, I've established my collection is that each year, it's kind of in tiers, so like each year another group should breed. You know what I mean? So like uh I'm thinking by the that point I probably will be breeding diamond pythons uh which will be which will be cool. Um <laughs> Damn you. Yeah. It's like uh, do you have any like the problem is is that like right now we have a happy relationship you and I where <laughs> you don't I don't sending you all my money. And if once you start breeding and going crazy, where, like, you could send me pictures and talk to me about these things, and I can drive down to see the babies, and I get secondary pick because I can pull rank as co-host, which I can do <laughs> numerous times. Um, right? <laughs> and, and I don't care if you know, everybody hates it. But, um, so those will start happening, and then I'll start sending you money. Like, you're sitting there, and you're like, oh, I'm going to breed... Albino tigers. Damn it, I want albino tigers. It's like, <laughs> oh, and I got to breed diamond pythons. Damn it, I want reduced pet and diamond pythons. It's like, and then yeah. I'm going to stop it. Just stop talking. It's like, stop <laughs> telling me things. Yeah, it's like every year. I, mean, I guess it's not... good. I don't have to, I don't, I guess it's good. I don't have to call Nick anymore. I can just go to your place and be like, and start <laughs> filling us in and then yeah. walk out. I'll take this, 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 and this. I'll take this. It's like shopping. I'll take this, 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 and this. Bill me and just walk out. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's pretty crazy. It's like, was Owen just here? Yeah. It's, it's like, <laughs> I love when he comes. <laughs> <laughs> Snake's leaving. Then all of a sudden I just start getting PayPal's for like yeah. the next three years. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I just I just contacted uh, Scott. He should be joining us in a in a couple he, minutes. So okay, uh, that's it. The yeah. only way I can combat you, the only way, is if I start producing freaking like Savus, Maclots, White Lips. Even though I don't think you're even gonna want White Lips. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, like weird shit. Yeah, I, I, even with that. Well, I mean, if I had space and stuff like, but when space is at a at a limit, man, you know. Something's got to go. Trust me, I know. <laughs> Something's got to go, you know. And uh, trust me, I know. That's how I get most of my liasses. You're like, these are so awesome, and then, like a year later, you're like, take these away. I'm like, all right. So it's like, you know, it's how it works. I am. Um, all right, I'm, I'm ditching all the boas. The boas are leaving. The boas are almost gone. Yeah, I think I, I found my enthusiastically. Per- yeah, I know. Sorry, all Boa people. Um, I think I found my uh, I found my perfect little niche of projects and you know things. It's like um, you know Angolans are are cool. I really mm-hmm. dig those. Uh, so they'll always stay um, for whatever reason. Ever the, since a, I was a, kid, a bumpy ball python. Yeah, ever since I was a kid, they've always, like, you know, I've always been fascinated by them. It's kind of, I like their colors, and, you know, they're just, they're cool. Well, I mean, did your dad have, did your dad have Angolans, or were they still, like, the, oh, like, they they never see these? 
Yeah, they were too See? expensive. You know? That's why you want them, because, like, the hype was so built up when you were a kid. I mean, like... Yeah, I remember walking around, yeah. like, I saw them in, like, a book, and I remember walking around yeah. at a reptile show, and I would see them, and I would be like, wow, they're those, those pythons that I never see anybody anybody have, and here they are, and it was, like, $18,000, and I'm like, oh, my God. Go you to know, hell! You know, no way go, go that I'll ever be able to... Um, you know, there's there's a few. I know I'm gonna get heat for this, but there's a few, uh, you know, Royal Python projects that 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 I got going on. Um, again, to me, when I was a kid, they were like the Python that. Uh, it's it's more of a nostalgia thing for me. Um, you know, so even if it's just like a project, I, I, I you know, I, I got I'm that going. So disappointed on. in you. <laughs> so disappointed in you. I have my chondros, you know. I really I'm like the so root. Dis- no, no, no. Your chondros, you can't go from them to chondros. Yeah. Even though one just sits on a stick and the other one sits on the ground. But yeah, exactly. So- um, <laughs> I don't. I will never have retics again. Uh, I'll never. never own berms. No, I'll never have those again. It's just too big, man. You know. I mean, I don't know. I guess yeah, I'm getting I, old. I understand that. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like I don't well, feel no, like. With that shit and shoveling you shit. You know, and here's the thing: like, if, if the if exactly if the olive <laughs> pythons were if they didn't have the their attitude that they have, I would not like them. The fact that they're just too gentle to even give a rat's ass of what's going on in the room. And I know now everybody's running around screaming that brooms are gentle and my retics a puppy dog. I don't care. All right, so it's. If if the olive pythons had even acted a little bit more of a shitty attitude, I wouldn't like them. I, I honestly wouldn't. Cause it's, it's a big snake. I mean, yeah, I, I have plans now to get even, them both six-foot cages. Yeah, but even the olives, you know, they're not as big as a berm. I mean, you no, know, or they're, re- they're, they're, talking, they're long, but they're not thick. Yeah. Yeah, talking 17-plus feet. You know, for that's yeah, a big snake. This, this all goes back to our scrub conversation. You and I tried it. We're done now. We don't want them anymore. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. and, it, and it's just like how I said, I, I don't want bloods anymore. I tried it. I'm really good. And it's funny because you're sitting here and you're like, oh, I'm going to get the ball pythons. I got this project. I got that project. And, of course, now I'm sitting. And while you're talking, I'm going through the list in my head of what I want. And it's right. like my project is. I want to add more rough scale pythons because I can't get enough of those little bastards. Um, and I don't think 1.1 is enough. And then if I see one, it, it, we're not even going to talk about them, but we all know what I'm going to talk about, what, what I was going to say. Um, we see the black face white lips. All right, I'm going to say it. The Timor pythons. I mean, those <laughs> are just gnawing at my brain. So there's those kinds of things. And, of course, I want to add those and that and this and that. And I want to get a few more colubrid projects. So I want to expand my Python stuff, and I want to get a few more colubrids just because, you know, I can breed a colubrid with my eyes closed. I don't have to worry about them. Am I going to get right. eggs from my corn snakes? Yes. Yes, I am. Yes, I will. <laughs> if I really wanted to, I can get two. Right. It's, it's all right. It's, there they are. And everybody, it, it's good to have the balance of, Corn snakes, king snakes, um, and, and and then the pythons. 
You have well, an animal that's a good pet. None of these, all of these. <laughs> so. Well, that's sort of like my idea with, um, you know, my ball python projects for two reasons. One, and the most important thing is, is that for for me, um, that was sort of my way back into that was my way into python like you know even though it was it was that snake that i saw in a pet shop that just like totally amazed me and i thought it was the coolest thing and the fact that it stayed smaller and da 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 um so yeah i mean we talked about this before like you know going to a show if you're going to do a show you know i'm talking about doing tinley twice a year and all that stuff well you got to have stuff that kind of like will sell that sort of makes the trip worthwhile and you know because really i mean as much as i like selling snakes and all that stuff really the trip is about for me is just hanging out with you know your 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 reptile but it it, it does you know make a lot it it makes a lot better if you sell a few snakes to offset the cost of coming out there i mean sure that's really helpful and also also offset because you were walking around and you decided you needed a pair of rhino rat snakes I mean, yeah. it's nice to offset those decisions too. So, yeah. which, by the way, by the way, uh, Owen, just just on yes. a side note, you're talking yes. about bluebirds and adding them. You realize that since Rob is going to be going to Tinley with us, and like no. by, by our table, no. he's going to have no. I know rats. Please God, no. <laughs> oh, oh, bitch. <laughs> Oh. God damn it. That's no, a... God damn it. <laughs> Son uh, of no. No, because then I'm gonna, it's going to be sitting there, and it's going to be Chad. Chad Gray's going to be like, hey, Owen, Black Gray's what this? And then Rob's going to be there like with his rhino rat snakes. And then Owen, is you're going to see my brain break in half. Like, I'm just going to crumple to the floor after I've gone catatonic. So you just need just take my wallet, pay the two people, and bring me the snakes later when I come through. So... But it, it mm, damn it. Yeah. Should be interesting. That's gonna be hard, dude. Yeah. Yeah. So we have Scott on the line. Um let's cook him cool. on. Uh, enough of our ramblings. They That's hear enough that of our stuff talk. <laughs> Yeah. Hey Scott. Welcome back to the good show. How are we? We're doing good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're doing all right. Yeah, how are we <laughs> We're ready to talk uh Australian venomous snakes. Uh, <laughs> I'm always ready to talk, um, and, and especially that venomous snake. So, for sure. You know, mate, what was it said to me last night? Um, uh, I think Danny Mendez said to me last night that I can talk underwater. So, um, how's that come from him? I suppose means that I can talk about this shit. So, so Very nice. Uh, it worked. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Sorry. So, cool. um, what 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 drew you to the working with the venomous species? Was it kind of like a all the time thing from when you were a kid, or did you just decide one day that you really wanted to take a crack at it? Okay, so I was keeping venomous snakes for ten years before I got popped. Okay. <laughs> so I spent a fair bit of time with venomous beforehand. Um, I grew up in Melbourne. In Melbourne, there's no pythons or anything like that. So. Um, if you wanted to go and catch snakes out of the bush, um, the only way that you were, the only things you were finding were things like tiger snakes and brown snakes and gobheads and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, so I started off very early on on mucking around with those sorts of things and, and 
and basically what happened was is that I would find them out in the bush. Dad would kick my ass because I brought venomous snakes home. He would go and then release them, and then I wouldn't be able to sit down for a week. And then basically the next weekend would roll uh-huh. around, and then I would run out to the bush and go and find myself another snake, bring it home. Eventually, I won out. Um, my father eventually just said, right, okay, well, if you're going to do this, let's do this properly. Um, and then went about uh, going through and started learning how to do it properly and, and going from there. So from the age of sort of 10 years old, I was legally keeping venomous snakes, I suppose. Um, and then... But I, I sort of started keeping snakes at about five years old. So, um, and then had lizards and, and all the other bits and pieces. So I didn't get my first carpet snake until I reckon I would have been about seventeen or eighteen, I suppose. And that would have been mm-hmm. my spot. So I was keeping tiger snakes and brown snakes and death adders and, and all that stuff for, for many years before I was keeping carpet pythons. So wow, um, you you did it backwards. You did it backwards. <laughs> I did it backwards went, from yeah, the. Dangerous, evil, like just death to like carpet python. So it's like you well, know. You, you I mean, I got, I got blackboard before cool. I got bitten by a python. Sorry. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. So, so so I'd I'd been I'd been hit by an leopard before I'd been hit by a python. So. Jesus. How know, old were you um, when you got bit by the leopard? Uh, it was a western brown snake, and I was twelve years old. I got bitten by a western brown. So, um, yeah, one of those things. So these things happen, and you know, put my hand in the cage. One of these cardinal rules that I've got now that you don't open the cage without knowing where the snake is, and you don't try and do anything in the cage with the snake inside the enclosure. So, um, I broke both of those rules and ended up getting a brown snake hanging off my finger. Um, but. You know, it is what it is, I suppose. I mean, venomous snakes aren't, aren't for everybody, that's for sure. Um, there's plenty of people out yeah. there that are keeping them now that probably shouldn't. And, you know, if I could put an old head on young shoulders, um, I sh- probably shouldn't have been keeping venomous snakes for a good 10 years before, um, earlier than I did, you know. So, um, you know, I've got people that sort of I've, I've helped help sort of train along and mentor um, and I generally don't do that if I'm under the age of 18 just from, from legal reasons and, and also to maturity I mean you can get mature teenagers and stuff like that but for the most part they're, they're not that mature um, and as mm-hmm. a result you can you can sort of deal with things like that in that regard so um, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, I suppose it depends on what your listeners are into. I mean, with with regards to things like keeping venomous snakes and, and working with venomous snakes, I mean, they're fantastic animals. I mean, I, I don't look at a venomous snake mm-hmm. and get a, a, an adrenaline buzz out of working with a venomous snake. There's no um, puffing your chest out and going, oh, I'm a, I'm a manly venomous keeper because I've got venomous snakes or I'm a senior <laughs> because I keep venomous snakes. That's a whole lot of bullshit. Um, right. reality of it is is if you keep venomous right. snakes you keep venomous snakes there's plenty of people that do it out there for that that macho I want to be like Steve Owen or, or whatever the case is mm. um, that's not the right reason to get venomous snakes and generally those ones don't last they, oh. they either they either snap out of that sort of that crap or they um, I'm sure you get it in the pythons you see people come in and they, they buy up big and then they disappear in five years you know they you know, yes. You see, you're like, well, what was the point? You know, they make a lot of noise and they do a lot of yeah. this and they do a lot of that and they they tell everybody that they're an expert and then, you know, the next thing you know, they're 
they're, they're selling all their animals off, you know. And with venomous, it, it tends to happen mm-hmm. after they get a, a touch-up from something. Um, you know, they're, they're lying in a hospital bed and it's got blood dripping out their eyes, their armpits, they're growing their bum. And they go, well, you know, oh my God. Me anymore. <laughs> you know, um, you know, I mean, I've got permanent nerve damage in my hand. Um, I've got problems with one of my kidneys. Um, I've got muscle issues in, in my left hand side of my body. Um, I lost my sense of smell. I lost my sense of taste. I lost those for two years before I got them back. Um, you know, keeping these things is not you're not invincible. You know, you don't, I try not to. Yeah. I try not to get bitten. I, I don't tend to free handle too much. I don't tend to, um, you know, put myself at risk. Certainly, I don't do what I used to do. Um, you know, I used to be a, a fairly avid free handler and, and do all sorts of bits and pieces. And then I got smacked by a swamp snake, which is a more or less a harmless lacquer, probably similar in toxicity to a hognose snake or something like that in, in the US. Um, mm-hmm. And I went to anaphylactic shock and almost died oh. on a mountainside. Um, yeah. you know, it's all well and good to have antivenom, but anaphylactic shock you know, constricts your, your airways and doesn't matter how much antivenom you have, if you can't breathe, that's no good to you. So, um, so yeah, that was, a, I suppose, a little bit of a wake-up call and I'm, I'm no longer invincible, so to speak, and that was... 15 years ago. So, um, yeah, so, <laughs> so if you want to get into venomous, you've got to be prepared to pay the price because even though most people, if they don't, if they do things the right way and all the rest of it, um, they shouldn't get bitten, what invariably happens is people start taking risks and they start taking um, liberties, I suppose, if you will, when, when they're dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you do you do get into a routine. You know, there's, there's no doubt about it. Um, I I use hooks a lot. Um, you know, I mean, a hook a hook for me is almost an extension of my hand, um, mm-hmm. and that's how it needs to be. It, it needs to be that way. But shit, I use them for for everything. <laughs> it's bloody body imbricata and all this sort of stuff that I've got here as well. I don't, <laughs> hooks. I don't like it bitten by anything. You know, I, I got laughed at. Them. That hurts. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fighting. Yeah. You know, and I go, right. What are you doing? That I, was, you know, I, I don't like picking teeth out of my fingers. No. So yeah, and and the thing yeah, is, is because fun. I'm in a habit, and and also too, I mean, I use um, holding bins and stuff like that, and I post up some photos of all the stuff that I use. Um, but I use holding bins for the animals, and it saves me bending down to actually pick the snake up out of the bin too. I can just use the hook, and you know, I don't have to bend down as far, I suppose. So you know, it <laughs> right. could be a laziness thing as well, you know. But you know, uh, this is the thing. I mean, so many people don't look after their animals properly because they they take. Uh, they take sort of skips, they skip steps and things like that. If you look at somebody who's keeping like a single carpet python or a single bearded dragon or, or whatever the case may be, look at the mm-hmm. side enclosure that those people put that, enclo- that that snake into. You know, they do like a nice big mm. display enclosure or whatever and all the rest of it. You know, the snake uses all of it and, and for the most part it's probably better than keeping mm-hmm. them in a, in, a, in a tub. Um, but at the same time, I mean, we... You know, with with larger collections, we're using tubs and, and caging and all that sort of stuff, um, and we sort of take uh, liberties, I suppose, and we don't necessarily always look after the animals the best way we can. You know, we, I look at some of these really huge commercial setups, and you know, they've got everything into you know tubs with a you know seven hundred, seven eight hundred deep and and one hundred and fifty mil high and four hundred and fifty mil wide or whatever it is, and you know they they're keeping and breeding pythons and things like that in there. And that's fine, it works, but 
is it really the best for for those animals? Well, right. I'm not I'm not so sure that it is. You know, um, it's certainly from an observing point of view. I mean, you you can't really tell me that you can see exactly what's going on when you're looking at those animals in those enclosures. You know, you've you've got to open the enclosure to look at that animal to to really see what's going on, and then are you disturbing it because you've opened the enclosure, and are you not really seeing the behaviour of that animal? Um, you know, I, I kept stuff in tubs for years, and it, it works brilliantly. But um, I suppose I mean I've, I've sort of gone away from from keeping everything in tubs now and trying to get as much stuff into caging. Or I mean, I'm lucky too that I can keep stuff outside here as well. So I'm I'm trying to move as much stuff outside to get natural photo periods and things like that. So. Um, but I, I, I digress away from the lapid a little bit. Um, so, um, what were we talking about? <laughs> we, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> we were sort of like, I don't know, we are sort of just diving into vegetables. Who's letting but... you go, man? I mean, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, this happened but, last time, remember? We never actually spoke about the frigging Of course. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we brought you back. Um, we didn't have to do anything. It's awesome. But... Hey, I saw that. I want to kind of uh, backtrack. Go on. Go ahead. Oh, okay. All I, all I'd like to say is I I I saw those uh those beautiful black faced white lips hatching out uh from um oh, uh, uh, oh those things Ryan. are put a horn on a jellyfish right, like yeah. they are they are absolutely gorgeous um aren't they? Oh, <laughs> Anyway, so <laughs> I just had to say I that. want them. Oh anyway, God, I want them. Yeah. Let's not talk about Owen's fantasies. I mean, that's just... Uh, oh, no, they're mine. They're, they're my fantasies. Don't worry about I know. See, everybody's. Except for Eric. He's yeah. not cool enough. So, <laughs> um, don't, you like, don't you like him, Eric? What's wrong with I, you? You know, I, I, I do like him, but you know how, like, you, you know that some things just aren't for you and, like... You know, I don't know. It's just. <laughs> I reckon you I need to change who you are then, because if you don't like it, there's something wrong with you. Uh, yeah, no, something I wrong mean, with you. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm lucky in as far as that. If I want to see them or mess with them or whatever, I just have to go to Owen's house. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't have to clean them. That's all. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And you can leave. Like you can just leave yeah. every time. Yeah. I don't... yeah. Yeah. Well, I can see the benefit in that. Yeah, I, I, I kind of can too. So, but I, whatever. But I, I kind of want to backtrack to your your bites. Um, yeah. Uh, you mentioned a few of them. So you want to talk? You want to talk about bitten? my fuck ups? You want to yeah, talk about my? I do. Fuck-ups? Is that I what you're telling me? <laughs> nope. I don't want to bring. I want. I don't want to talk about your moments of triumph. I want to hear about the times you screwed the hell up. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, look, I'll look at the end of it. Uh, I mean, what, yeah, go on. It was just like, I, I mean, we just wanted to kind of get what was the worst one. Was it the one where you went to anaphylactic shock? And, I mean, how how bad are these? And, like, are, did you did they cost you any uh, kind of money for the anti-venom? I mean... Was each one bad? Uh, was, was there a bad one, or was, yeah. was, was there a fucking huge one? <laughs> um, okay, so in Australia, we've got a fantastic medical system. Um, antivenom is free. Okay. Hospital treatment is free. Oh. Okay, so you yeah. walk into the hospital, you go, I've been bitten, and they go, oh, shit, and then they freak out, and then they put you on bed, and you go through and do all the bits and pieces that you need to do. Um, essentially, though... Yeah. Oh, 
don't know. I mean, probably one of my worst bites was back in 96. Um, I was bitten by a, a spot of black snake, Shadikis Katardis, and you know, they're, they're known as being a fairly mildly venomous snake. They're not they're not known to be incredibly toxic by Australian standards, but um, I mean, they're, 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 they'll certainly knock you around. Um, so I got a, mm-hmm. a bite from one of those. I had um, used to use light bulb boxes, the boxes that your light bulbs come in. We used to have those in, in a lot of the tubs and, and racks and things like that as, as hides for the, the snakes. And at the back of the light bulb box, there's like a fold of cardboard. And so anyway, I was mm-hmm. cleaning out the enclosure and the snake was inside the light bulb box. So I'd just picked up the box and just put, gone to put the box into the bin. And as I've done that, it stuck its head out the back of the box and decided that my pinky finger was something you could eat and gave me both barrels oh, no. of a food bite into the finger. Um, and I flicked it off and then gone and picked it up and then put it away and just gone, oh, that sucks. And I thought, didn't think too much of it, but I could feel the heat and I could actually feel hot hot as the venom's travelling down through my finger, then into my hand and then into my forearm. And... I was on an hour about whether I'd go to hospital or not. I was thinking about riding out the boat and going, like, you know, I've a black sling. I should be right. About 10 minutes in, and I thought, no, fuck this. I've got to go to the hospital. This is going to hurt. This is going to be bad. And um, Mm. so I put a bandage on, got to the hospital in 15 minutes. By the time I got to the hospital, I was in and out of consciousness. consciousness. Um, I was throwing up. Um, I didn't know whether I was Arthur or Martha, basically, or stuff. Um, I remember getting onto the bed at the hospital um, and them turning around and saying, oh, he doesn't look real flash. And they said, what was what was it bit you? And I said, I spot a black snake. And then we proceeded to have an argument for 20 minutes with the hospital staff um, to say that, basically, yes, this was a spot of black snake, they're arguing that, well, you don't get spotted black snakes in Victoria, so it couldn't be one of those. And my response to that was, well, in my fucking shed, you do. Um, and then turned around, I got onto the... the um, spoke to her, I said, spoke to one of the doctors, I said, ring Struan Sutherland, who's a uh, sort of world-renowned toxicologist, and said, ring him and tell him that I've told you that I've been bit by a spotted black snake. And so... Anyway, he told them that, yes, he's been bitten by a spotted black snake, believe him, and treat it accordingly. So that was all well and good. Um, so I was going downhill pretty fast at this point in time. I had an ECG, uh, all the ECG sort of stickers on my chest and all the rest of it. I had a catheter in my left hand. I had a catheter in my chest. I had a catheter in my leg. Um, they were giving me adrenaline and steroids along with a first ampule of antivenom. Um that was all, all wasn't too bad, but I was still feeling really, really cold. The problem was, is my body was at about 41 degrees. So they were they were thinking I was going to actually sort of burn burn up and, and do some brain damage and things like that, which was pretty bad. Um, but I kept trying to pull blankets on and stuff like that. So they started to get like ice packs and putting ice packs in my chest to try and cool me down. Um, and then they said, all right, well, we, we want to test out the snake venom detection kit that we have over here and prove prove out sort of what it is. We've never had a confirmed spot of black snake bite before, so we want to test it. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, no worries. So I said, oh, what do you need? And they go, oh, well, blood samples and urine samples. And I'm like, oh, okay, no worries. And so they said, so they go, I gave them the blood samples, and then if they just took them from the drips, and they said, right, we need the urine sample. 
I'm like, well, you know, you've got me hooked up to sailing. I'll, I'll be able to hook you up in, in a couple of minutes. I don't need to go right now. No, 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 we're taking it now. Uh, and it, well, as soon as they said that, there was two orderlies came in. And then one put one huh. one oh, shoulder on, oh, one, no. on, on, on each shoulder. And then, mate, catheter tubes are bloody big. I'm telling you, they're too big for what oh they are, right? God. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> So I don't know if you guys know what a catheter is. Yeah, but it's basically a tube that goes up goes up the eye of your penis. Oh. Yeah. All right, and oh. now I've had a neurotoxic snake bite. There's no pain relief. There's no no depression of the nervous system with this. Right, so they won't give me any painkillers or anything like that. So no anaesthetic, no painkillers, no numbing agents. Mm. Right, mm. I reckon I could have killed them. Mm. And <laughs> Yeah, it, it, fuck it, mate. The the pain, the pain of that, it was so bad. And you know the worst thing? I don't know if you, if you guys have had the displeasure uh, of having one, but you no. can actually feel it on the inside of your bladder. And it oh, scratches God. around and shit like that, you know? And then uh, as they're pulling it out, it tears, right? So I'll get back uh, to that in a minute, right? So anyway, so, so this is kind of <laughs> sucking, you know? Um now, to give you an it's idea, at this point day. in time... Oh, no, 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 no. This is, yeah, it's kind of sucking at the moment, but it gets worse. Um, so this, is, this is for somebody to yeah. think about whether they really want to go into getting getting venomous snakes. Um, so at this point in time, I mean, there are neurotoxic venom, but they've also got hemotoxins and cytotoxins and myotoxins in there, oh, in no. their, uh, venom as well. So at this point in time, the skin on my finger and my hand has gone from being looking sort of like normal skin to looking like the... You know when you get a balloon and you blow a balloon up and they look kind of shiny? Uh-huh. My hand and finger is mm-hmm. that swollen that my hand has gone shiny. Wow. It's stretched oh. that much that it's gone shiny, right? Holy It's purple crap. and black and all the rest of it. And the doctors are freaking out going, we might need to do what's known as a fasciotomy to make sure that your hand doesn't explode. Right. Oh, they're going to that's very painful. So what right? a fast- oh. Well, I reckon exploding your hand exploding is going to fucking suck too. So you know, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> good point. <laughs> I imagine both are not good. So. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't think about that. You're right. So. You know, so so they kind of wow. it, it kind of sucky either way. You know. Um, so anyway, so like, so the, and the pain, right? The pain that you get that you caught from this is just fucking ridiculous. Have you guys ever hit your finger with a hammer before? Yes. 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 Yeah. Numerous you've done times. I'm not Tuck, good with those. It? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So <laughs> you've done it, it numerous times. All right. So you know how it sucks even more the second time after you've hit it. Uh huh. Right. That's what yes. it's like. Just keep hitting your hand. If you want to feel what a certain snake bite feels like. Get it, get it, get your finger, get it up against a block of timber, and hit it on the hit your finger with a hammer. Ow. Right? Mm. Now, not once. Never mm. twice. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Just, just, just keep going. <laughs> just keep going. Oh, right. Because what happens is, is you God. get these pain, throbbing pains that go through, and every time you get that throb, it's like you've just been hit with a fucking hammer. Wow. Right? It sucks so oh bad. I'm mean, passed out from the fucking pain. Right. Okay. So I'm I'm laying there in the hospital. I've got a fucking 
catheter hanging out my at the end of my cock. I've got a hand that's swollen up like a fucking balloon, and they're talking about fucking um, going. Are you okay, sir? No, I'm not fucking okay. <laughs> I'm not okay what, what at all. Fucking, what kind of goddamn question is that? No. Are you okay? No, I'm not. I've been um, better. Fucking no, no, I'm not okay. Right. <laughs> wow. Um. Anyway, oh, another ampoule of antivenom. Um. Uh, I had the other ampoule, uh, other ampoule of They give you steroids and um uh, adrenaline along with it to try and yeah. sort of minimise the chance of an allergic reaction to the antivenom. Um, and then from that, they turn around and they sort of go, well, well, we'll monitor your signs. And they basically started to see that my heart rate, my blood pressure came up, my heart rate sort of got back to normal. So it wasn't sort of doing funky, funky sort of erratic heartbeats. Um, the swelling started to go down a little bit in my hand. Um, and that was that. So basically the second ampule of antivenom did the trick. Um and so this is something that's meant to be regarded as sort of slightly mildly venomous, you know, not that bad. Um, yeah. And yeah, so so it, it may not be that bad for some people, but for me it was it was pretty bad. Um, so anyway, overnight in the hospital, they wanted me to stay there another night. I discharged myself because I don't like hospital food and don't like hospitals in general. Um, and then yeah, that mm. was that. So I've got permanent nerve damage in my finger in my hand and in my arm as well and uh, muscle damage in my arm from that as well um it was breaking down the muscles in my in my hand and my arm and then by doing that it basically overloaded my kidneys and my kidneys ended up uh partially sort of blocking up a little bit and one of the ways that you die from from these particular species or this species group of snakes is through renal failure where your kidneys block up with all your blood and your muscles um, and they can't filter it because they block, then you get an infection and then you're dead in a couple of days. Um, so basically I, I've come good, but my, my kidney function has been permanently damaged um, from that bite. So, yeah, not that bad, but I've got permanent damage in my hand and permanent damage in my kidneys from it. Um, and then I also lost my sense of smell and taste as well. And they, I lost them for about two years. Uh, so it, it just one of those things with, with black snake bites that it does to so it was it was a fairly uh, fairly horrendous experience, I suppose, and not thing, not something I wanted to repeat. Um, I remember sitting in the hospital bed, going, "Shit, do I still want to keep these things?" And then so that that was all for about ten minutes, and then I went, "Yeah, fuck yeah, I'm keep keep at it." So um, <laughs> yeah, so that that was it. So I got home and got home from the hospital, and and then was one armed dealing with all the snakes for the rest of the rest of the week. Um, so that kind of sucked and made it a bit more difficult, but um, I made sure that I wasn't uh, quite taking the liberties there. So, I mean, that's what happens when you put your hand inside, inside an enclosure with a venomous snake and not, not really take treat them with the respect that they deserve. Um, so whether you do that, whether it's a cobra or a snake or a mamba or, or anything of type, it's all the same. You know, In that regard, it's all the same. If you pull the animal out, Put the animal into a holding bin, then you can service the enclosure. It's not a problem. Um, if you if you fail to uh, if you fail to actually do it properly, that's when you're going to have issues. If you don't pull that animal out of the enclosure, that's when you're going to get bitten. Um, I got bitten by death out of doing exactly the same thing. Um, I was I thought, oh, Jesus. it's a cage, not a problem. 
I'll just get the water bowl out of the front of the cage. This was shit, this was just before school, I say that's fine. Um so I remember reaching in and grabbing the water bowl and looking down at the death adder, sinking its fangs into the back of my thumb knuckle and going, Oh well that was stupid. Oh well, I'm off to school I went. <laughs> uh, <laughs> to happen. Uh, yeah, well, it was only a young one, so I, I wasn't really too worried about it. But looking back on it and knowing what I know now, I probably should have gone to the hospital. Oh, that's actually, no, I'll scratch that. I should have gone to the hospital. There's no probably about that at all. Um, so, yeah, and then um, force feeding. Obviously, you know, you, you guys are force feeding or assist feeding pythons. Um, every now and then you guys might jam a, a tooth into your finger. Well... When you jam yeah. a tooth, and when I lap a tooth into your finger, that kind of sucks, you know. Um, I got done by yeah. a bulgus thing um, through a cut on my thumb. I had a cut on my thumb and I was force feeding it, and it was just expressing venom all over the mouth that I was force feeding and, and all the rest of it. And anyway, I got some venom into a cut on my finger. Um, so I wasn't bitten by the snake, but because I was force feeding it, I got venom on my finger, and then you know my, my hand all swelled up. It was that fairly bob. My hand all swelled up, and felt like I hit it with a hammer, and, and that was about it. But I didn't get any of the systemic effects out of that one. Um, so and then tiger snakes and things like that, yeah, sticking your finger on the end of their fang when you're force feeding them with with hatchling with neonates, which are you know all of. 130 millimeters long. You know they're, they're pretty, pretty small. So mm. it's inches. It's just under five inches long. Um, so they're pretty tiny, small, small snakes. And and something like that, generally speaking, is even at that at that size, isn't going to to knock you off the perch. So you don't tend to worry about it too much. The exception is obviously brown snakes and tie pants. Um, straight out of the eggs, there's, there's been reported deaths from both of those species. So, um, but now I mean. Uh, after my my anaphylactic reaction, I treat everything as if it can kill me, uh, regardless of whether it's mildly venomous or hatchling or, or anything like that. It can all kill me, so um, I'd just rather not get bitten. And you know, it's certainly not a um, it's not a badge of honour. It's, it's 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 every time you get bitten, it's a sign that you fucked up and done something wrong. Because um, if you do things right, you don't get bitten. It's as simple as that. Right. Um, you know, so I mean, anyone can keep venomous snakes. It's it's really not hard, but you need to have your procedures right, and you need to do things the right way. Um, you know, snake bite protocols is a is a big thing. Um, having a system where where things are, are set up in the right way is is imperative to to successful keeping. Um, I mean, I've got in my in my snake room. I've got it set up that on the door of the snake room, of all, on the door of all of the snake rooms, is a compression bandage. Um, it's it's on a zip tie holder, just in a plastic bag, ready to go. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you are. I know that on that door, on the inside of those doors to my snake room, there is a a bandage there. There's also a bandage on the on my tool rack as well, in the room as well. So I know that I've got two broad compression bandages ready to, ready to go at any time. And, and off I go straight to the hospital with the bandage on. Um, treatment of a lapper bites is a little bit different to, to viper bites. Um, mm. Essentially, with viper bites, as I understand it, and because I don't keep them, I don't need to, to know as much, um, is basically is you are to keep it static. You're not to move the bite if you can avoid it. So if you're bitten on the arm or anything like that, put your arm in the sling, but you don't put a... If it's not a neurotoxic bite, you don't put a compression bandage on it. Um, 
that said, if you if I was bitten by you know something like a Southern Pacific rattlesnake that's got neurotoxins in there as well and pretty nasty neurotoxins, well, I'd probably consider putting on a compression bandage, even though it's going to suck and you might lose your fingers or hand or or, or something like that. I'd rather lose a finger or hand and not die. Um, yeah, so it's a good it's idea. Sort of one of those things. You know, I mean. I mean, that blue belly pain that I was in from that blue belly or spotted black snake, they're the same animal. Um, the pain that I was in, I was, you know, if someone had given me a hacksaw, I would have seriously considered cutting off my fucking finger. That's how much pain I was in. Wow. Jesus. Right. So when you're in that much pain, you can think about losing your finger and actually cutting it off yourself. You're like, mm, yeah, kind of fucking. Yeah, it's, it's not, yeah, it's not good. So, so yeah, so if you if you think that you can't hold it together when you're dealing with with venomous snakes, um, then then maybe it's not for you. Um, at the same time, though, I mean, you know, there's plenty of people out there that that's what they love to do, and I'm one of them. You know, I like keeping venomous snakes, and it's really not a problem. Um, the problem is when you you start dealing with cowboys and and people are emulating emulating their their TV heroes, I suppose, um, and yeah, it's a little bit different. I mean, over here, I mean, a lot of us not grow up with venomous snakes, but we we grow up dealing with venomous snakes, and we we know a lot of people that work with venomous snakes in the industry. And it seems to be over here as people get lizards and they get pythons, and then after a while, they they, they might get venomous. Um, so it seems to be like this progression, I suppose, you know, the evolution of a, of a snake keeper or a reptile keeper here in the country. Um, and then some people stick with it, and then some people get rid of them. Um, unfortunately, though, with things like Facebook now, I'm seeing people that have been keeping reptiles for a few weeks, you know, six months, and they decided that they want to get themselves a death adder or something like that. And then they they go through and they do a they go through and they do a snake handling course or something like that. Which you know, I mean, I, I run snake handling courses as well. Um, but for from keeping from a keeping point of view, you know, they're worth a, a pinch of shit. They really are. Then you can't teach somebody how to handle a venomous snake in two days. Um, the venomous snake training courses that I do is for mines, and it's relocating of of venomous snakes out of a mine. So I can teach somebody a completely non-contact method of removing a snake from a from an uh, environment, and then going and releasing that. That's that's not a problem at all. But if you're keeping in captivity, you're going to get retained, retained ice caps. You're going to get um, times where you need to put your hands on the animal. Um, right. I can't. I couldn't teach anyone in two days how to do that. Do it and do it safely. And yet, there's yeah. plenty of people out there that apparently can. And oh, I think reality of it is, is they they can't. They can't teach them in that time. Um, right. Not not really teach them what they need to know. You know, you can give them the basics and give them an understanding, but you can't actually get them sort of to a point where they're competent in in keeping something like a. I mean, in here you got to say that if you, if you're creating something in Queensland, because there's no levels in in our licensing, if you've got a lot of venomous snake permit, that allows you to keep everything from red belly black snakes through the taipans. Um, now, taipans being the toughest animals to keep. Um, from a, a handling management point of view, um, you would then, I mean, the way I would reason it is that you need to make sure that those people are competent in, in handling a type ant. Um, reality of it is is that probably 70 to 75% of the people keeping type ants now aren't 
aren't competent to keeping a taipan because they've never dealt with a taipan that, that actually wigs out. Um, you know, you see something like that. I mean, I had a, a taipan here for years that the way I used to open the enclosure is with a hook. I had to open the enclosure with a hook and then wait for it to come out because when it came out, it was coming out striking. And when you've got mm-hmm. seven, eight feet of taipan striking at your face, you know, and it's striking... That's no good. Six feet, um, well, Jeez. how do you get in to pick it up? If it's striking six feet, how do you get in a distance to pick it up? How do you get in? Well, basically what you have to do is you've got to let it strike at you and as it strikes at you, you've got to come to the step to the side and pick it up by the tail as it comes through and then get it onto a hook. All right? That's wow. how you pick them up. That's, that's how you've got to be able to pick them up. You can't teach somebody that. You know, someone's going to get bitten on the forehead if you try to teaching somebody that. You know, it's just yeah. absolutely insane. And I used to pull that snake out and show people that snake when they were telling me that they were ready for taipans. And I used to say, <laughs> oh, you're ready for taipans. You want to do this? Go get them, yeah. You go, and stand, you go and stand in the corner and you watch this. All right? Wow. And... I used to get it out, and they did every time. Every person that saw that said, "No fucking way! I'm never going <laughs> to yeah. do that." Never I'm mind. Li- I'm good. I'm just listening to you, and I'm saying that. <laughs> no, yeah. I don't have to oh, see you know. it. <laughs> oh, you know, and, and seriously, when you see them actually go off, holy uh-huh. shit! Oh, they they strike quickly, accurately, and and yeah, yeah. I mean. There's this old, there's this big thing, you know, you, you always see, well, which is the most dangerous snake, and, and there's three snakes that sort of always come up, and they're black mambas, taipans, and, and king cobras, and you know, a lot of people that I know that have spent a lot of time with all three species, all say that the mambas are probably the fastest, the king cobras are the most intelligent, and the taipans are just the nuttiest ones of the lot. The crazy, um, yeah, okay, psychopaths, you know, right. they're just you know, I mean, most of the people just think they're just nuts, you know. Um, I find that I find taipans really easy to work with for the most part. Um, but you need to, to work them in a, in a certain way. You need to be very calm, confident, and cool in your methods, in your, in your handling. You can't, you can't be sort of you know, jittery as you do it or anything like that. You know, you need, you need to know what you're doing. Um, and working mm. with arbors is exactly the same. Working with king cobras is exactly the same. Um I, I haven't really had the pleasure of working with mambas or, or cobras for any length of time, so uh, something that I'd love to go and do. But everybody that I've spoken to that sort of worked with all three sort of all say the same thing in that regard. Um, you know, taipans are intelligent snakes as well, you know, and so are mambas. So, um, you know, these snakes, all of these snakes that we're talking about are big. You know, they get upwards of, of 10 feet long. They are all intelligent. They are all fast-moving. And they're all strong, um, you know. So you know these are incredible animals, and you know they they watch you. You know, I walk into the room, and the taipans are watching me as I'm walking around the room. They're watching me. They see what I'm doing. They're, they're interacting with me, you know. Um, and they know taipans know people by by them as well. Um, if I'm going in and working with the taipans, it's not, it's not so much of an issue. If my wife Ty goes in and she's she's doing anything with them, they're a lot more fiery with her and a lot more sort of edgy because they don't trust her. They don't know her. Um, you know, the, these snakes know individual people as well as handling stock, um, and they do get to, to start trusting people um, to a point. Brown snakes and tiger snakes and red bellies and colts and mulga snakes and all that sort of stuff don't. They, they're dumb. 
they're dumb animals, they don't. There's no, you know, they get used to dealing with people, but and they get used to being dealt with in a in, in a certain way, but they don't recognise individual people when when they're working with them. Um, so, uh, yeah, so basically, getting back to to protocols as we've gone off on a bloody another tangent there. Um, <laughs> when you're dealing, when you're going with your protocols, I've got bandages on the on the wall. So if I get a bite, first thing I do is I put the bandage on. Right, I don't mm. don't call for help or anything like that. First thing I do is put the bandage on um, after the snake is secure. Okay, so uh, that would usually be putting the snake back into its enclosure or into its holding bin or, or whatever the case is. You know? So I don't I don't want somebody walking into a room where there's a, a snake moving around on the ground. Um, at that point, then, as I will pick up time, I will ring the hospital first and say. They all be coming in snake bite from X Y Z species. Uh, hang up the phone, and then I will ring the ambulance. And then once I've rung the ambulance, I will then uh, ring my wife, and and then she'll come down hopefully, uh, and and go from there. Otherwise, I'll walk calmly and close. I'll lock the doors and, and then walk out and just sit out the front waiting for the ambulance to turn up. Um, I won't drive myself to the hospital. Um, Obviously, if you drive yourself to the hospital, you're at risk of collapsing. And the last thing I want to do is collapse behind the wheel and, and you know, kill a family or something like that because I'm yeah. driving a fucking bike vehicle. Um, you know, obviously, if you're out in the field or something like that and there's no, no mobile service and there's no, no other option or anything like that, then, you, you know, you, you, you take it as, as it comes, so to speak. Um, but generally speaking, for me, the way we our protocol set up is in, in that way. Um, I also have a a file that has my medical history in it um, in regards to previous bites and surgeries and, and all the other bits and pieces that I've had gone wrong with me medically. Um, and so that they will be handed to the doctor at the same time, along with a copy of my my book on venomous snakes as well. Um, I've got a copy of that in the protocols as well. Um, the whole reason I've got the book in there is basically is for the doctors to sort of believe me a little bit. Um, I'm not just another another snake keeper that <laughs> keeps me mm-hmm. snake. I do have a bit of an idea. I know what I'm talking about, about. yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and sort of when you show them a printed book, it's like, oh, oh, okay. All right, fair enough then. All right, okay, maybe you do know what you're talking about. Um, right. So so that's basically it. So then when you get into the hospital with a bite, um, straight into an ICU emergency department, they leave the bandage on. Um, they will take blood, they will take urine samples if you can give it to them. They don't always forcibly take it from you. Thank Christ. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, I'm like, you don't give me a catheter or I'll fucking walk out sort of thing these days. Um, I'll take my chances oh, out there, yeah. Dude, that sucks so bad, uh, you know. Oh, I just, I come out of surgery not too long ago and I, I had surgery on my bowel. Uh, I got dehydrated out chasing snakes, um, and they said, "All right, well, you know, you need to. You haven't gone to the toilet yet. You know, you've got to, you've got to go." And I'm like, "Oh, I can't, I can't, I can't." Oh, we're going to give you a catheter. I'm like, "Oh, I'll try. I'm going to try it. I'm going to do it. <laughs> I will yeah, fucking try." And they're like, "No, no, no." Anyway, so, so I've, I've gone through this pleasure twice. Um, however, it's nowhere near as bad if you have anaesthetic. It doesn't yeah, hurt. Yeah. It right. sucks, but it doesn't hurt. Um, so the second time I had it, I was like, oh, oh, well, that, you 
I, I don't want to say the phrase that it was a pleasant surprise because it certainly wasn't pleasant. <laughs> but it, it was yeah. nowhere near as bad as the first time. Around. It was better. Um, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's it's like um, how can I phrase it? All right. Imagine getting dubbed by like a ten foot scrubby, right? And then right. getting done by a hatchling scrubby. You know, that's that, right. I suppose that's the difference. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it still sucks, but but it's nowhere near out bad, You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's certainly not fucking pleasant though. Um, now, oh, going back to on on that with that catheter, right? So they've given it to me. Yeah. They've got the urine sample. I'm like, yeah, awesome. And they, I said, look, can I get this out? And they're like, yeah, yeah. All right, all right sweet. And I just pulled it out. Right. So I just grabbed the fucking thing and I just pulled it out. I scratched all the inside of my urethra. Right. Yeah. So Ow. now this is corrosive. Right. So mm-hmm. when you you know you know when you get like salt in a cup, right? Can you imagine getting salt in your cup like all oh. the way down inside of your Oh God. Oh. All right. Uh, now I don't no, want no, it I never want it, it's, not, it's not better yet. It gets worse. Right? Oh god! So it feels like I'm it feels like I'm pissing razor blades, right? But I'm attached to a fucking drip as well, right? So they're pumping a liter of saline into me in an hour, every hour on the hour, at night, overnight, all the rest of it, right? Every time I go to take a piss, it goes down the de- down the tube, and then it, it burns too much, so it goes back, and it's like eventually mm. when it, when I did take a pee at like five o'clock in the morning, I reckon I was constantly paying for like. Fuck, what would it Maybe five minutes, I reckon, I was paying continually for, right? Oh, wow. And it was it was like the best kiss of my life, but it hurt so bad. I had tears Just screaming the entire time. I was like, oh, this sucks so bad, but it feels so <laughs> oh, good. And, God. Oh. So, you know, if nothing else, that has to be why you don't want to keep that in the You know, it's, it's right there. It's oh. done. Yeah. Done. That's it. That's Show's over. Close you know. it up. Yeah, <laughs> we're done. We're good. Yeah. God. You sold me. Yeah, yeah I'm good now. Yeah, I'm so. good. Yeah, but, you know, what do you do? It's, it's just one of those things, I suppose. You know, you, you sort of you sit there and go, well, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Um, uh, yeah, so. Um, all right, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to start putting up some photos of, of the Venomous Room and, and stuff like that at home so we can sort of start talking about that up on... NPR chat, yeah. um, and I will also put some photos up of some of these animals that have bitten me, so we can we can, we can sort of put like some you know, what, names a little bit. Yeah, what's um, yeah, 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 basically. So, um, all right. So, as I'm talking, I'll, I'll start putting these photos up. Um, so, what what was the next thing on the list? What were we talking about there? Have you ever thought of venomoids? So oh, what's your thoughts on the venomoids? Yeah, let, 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 let's go down that bloody road. Let's, um, let's do this because I imagine you're going to be. This is this is a wonderful button issue, so let's do it. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, you. Well, I might surprise you here, actually. Um, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. I, I'll, I'll start off first by saying that there's no reason for a private person to have a venomoid snake. Okay. If you want to keep, okay. you want to keep a snake. You want to keep a snake. Uh, keep it the way it's the way it was intended to be. Um, I I don't agree with, with venomoids in in private hands at all. Um, okay. However, 
where I do agree with Venomoids is somewhere like, say, a zoo. Okay. I, I don't I don't see a problem with with zoos having um, Venomoid snakes at all. I don't see an issue with it at all. Um, from an occupational health and safety point of view, um, we all have to deal with OH&S. Um, one of you guys in, is in insurance, I believe, so I'm sure you know what I'm <laughs> talking about there. Um, OH&S and, and risk minimisation is a is an absolute key thing. Um, if you can keep a fertile lance or you can keep a black mamba or you can have these animals in an enclosure um, and it's not going to... Um, be able if it escapes, it's not going to be better made a member of the public. If it is, um, you know, any of these things that's going on, and it's not going to be an issue, then then why not have a venomite? I don't see a problem mm-hmm. with that for educational purposes. Fine, but people that are taking snakes out. I mean, if you're doing a a snake talk, um, educational displays at schools and things like that. Um, you know, and you want to bring along copperheads or timber rattlesnakes or or something like that, so people know what the various snakes are around New York or, or or whatever. And yeah, I've got no problem with that because they're being used for an educational purpose. This isn't an animal that's being kept in a basement somewhere or in a cage or a room or something like that. That's away from the public. Um, this is animals that are going to have exposure to the public. Um, so mm-hmm. potentially, you know, you've got that risk there. Um, so, yeah, why not? Why not have venomoids in that sense? Should the venomoids... I, I don't think they should be bloody strapped to a board and, and have their venom glands cut out or something like that. It should be done right. through proper veterinary channels. Um, but I don't necessarily have an issue with it. The the whole bullshit of, oh, snakes need need their venom to digest, well, I feed my snakes dead dead prey. Um, most mm. people I know feed their snakes dead dead food items. All right, the venom doesn't get circulated around um, around the food item. So, if the case was that the snake needed the uh, needed it to be um, needed its venom to actually digest its food, then if you had a snake regurgitate a meal, you would only find one part of that mouse that was actually digested. Reality of it right. is that the whole rodent gets digested, all right, but the venom hasn't permeated all the way around through through the cell walls in that in that food item. Um, so that's a bit of a, a misnomer. Um, venomoid snakes that I have seen have been, if they've been done right and the the, um, the surgery's been done correctly and all the rest of it, they've lived happily and healthily and had no no issues. Um, the problem is, is that you you do get people that are having a go at them themselves and don't necessarily remove the whole gland or they don't remove the whole duct or or whatever the case is, and then you get the horror stories. I mean, I think there was some. Danny was saying to me last night that there was somebody who was bitten just recently um, by a cobra that was they had they were keeping illegally that was apparently a venomoid and it wasn't a venomoid um, and it killed them. Right. So. You know, I mean, there's there's that risk involved as well. I think that if you were to venomoid a snake, you would need to put in a a pit tag. I think all of those should be pit tagged, um, and so that there's a a a chip inside that animal, so that animal could be verified as a having access. Yeah, it's been venomoided, and here's its chip. Um, and then you can you can scan it at whatever time it is, and then, and then go from there. But you know, they need to be handled and treated as if they're venomous as well. You can't turn around yeah. and go, well, I'm, I'm going to keep a 
I'm going to keep this or I'm going to keep that and then not actually look after it in the right way. Um, I'm not going to treat it. I'm not going to... You're going to pretend to handle it in such a way that, oh, well, I'm going to handle it just like a, a friendly rat snake or something like that. Well, no, you handle it the right way. You don't have an issue. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So I suppose that might be a bit of a surprise. But in private hands, no, definitely not. No need for it. No no requirement. Keep it the way they are. And if you don't want one, get something else. Get something that's... If you want something that isn't venomous, get something that's not venomous and, and keep it that way. Right. Get Make a crap <laughs> Get a crap at Python. Get a crap at Python. Yeah, <laughs> Python. Yep, do that. Hey, look, you know what? It's funny, right? I was looking around at the road. I've got more Python these days than I do a lapids. And, you know, I mean, I used to have 130, 140 lapids and, and two or three Pythons. And, and now I've got, it's, it's not quite 50 50, but, you know, I've got a hell of a lot more Pythons than I ever used to, you know. Uh, but, you know, also, too, my wife likes Pythons. I mean, she loves her, her venomous as well. Um, you know, death adders are her favourites. Um, so, you know, we've, we've got we've got plenty of those things around as well. So, yeah. Cool. So, mm. talk about uh, hooks and such. Is there any other equipment that's uh, like a must-have in your uh, if you're going to keep venomous? Yes, yes. Um, basically, hands off is, is probably the most the most important thing. Um, there's so many different things that you can do when it comes to, to working with these things and, and the way you work them and all the rest of it. I, I personally think probably the most important things is a um, is a, a decent holding bin to, to put them in. Um, so when you get them when you get them out of the enclosure, you're, you're putting them in the right place. You know, you're putting them in, in such a place that isn't going to cause you issues or anything like that. It's going to be safe um, for you to to deal with those animals. Now, I use uh, clear holding bins. Um, now, the whole reason for them to be clear is so that when I open up, when I put the animal into the bin, the the animal basically sits there. I can see what it's doing before I open the bin lid. So if it's right at the top, I, I know where it is. Or if it's at the bottom, I know where it is as well. So it, it works pretty well. Um, I've just put a photo in the chat there of one of the clear bins. Um, so... So that's important. Um, obviously, things like hooks, uh, jiggers, which a jigger is something that you use to pin snakes. Um, they're important. Feeding tongs, feeding implements, all that stuff's really important. Uh, I'll put that in there as well. So there's a photo coming up of one of my tool racks. Um, okay. I've got a tool rack. I've got a tool rack in both my quarantine room and I've got a, qu- a tool rack in the in the main room as well. Um, so the whole idea of that is that I've got various size hooks, I've got um, different lengths and all the rest of it, like wire cutters and tweezers and, and all that sort of stuff. I have all of the same stuff in the quarantine room as well because I don't want to be taking something out of... into the quarant- I don't mind taking stuff into the quarantine room, but I can't take it back out again. So um, without sterilising and all the rest of it, so just a pain. Right, right. So it's got its own holding bins. It's got its own uh, tools and all the rest of it to use in there. So, um, so yeah. So clear bins to, to house the animals in, and then uh, hooks, tweezers, long sets of tongs. I've got a, a set of M1 uh, Midwest tongs there at the end. I do not use them for handling snakes. I use them for feeding rats to to big snakes. Yep. Um, 
the the whole idea of what I don't like about tongs is that grabbing that grabbing thing, mm-hmm. um, and a lot of snakes don't like that. Um, right. You know, I, I don't I don't think you'd like to be grabbed in the middle of your body either by a, a big set of pincers and then picked up by that. Um, I don't think you're going to be too happy about it. Neither are the snakes. No. no. <laughs> um, I, I try to keep all of my handling is, is very cool, calm, and collected. Um, you know, I know what I'm going to do, and I know what I'm going to and how I'm going to do it. Now, the next thing that sort of that comes comes across to is then when you're dealing with the animals themselves, the area that you're working in needs to be clear and free of obstructions. Um, so. You know, something that's free of an obstruction. And I'll see, oh, I don't know if it'll rotate around or not. Find out in a second. Um, I'm just putting a photo up of, of my walkways and stuff like that in the room. So you can see how it's nice and broad in between in mm-hmm. between the enclosures and everything there. There's not lots of room there. There's nothing that the snake can sort of catch on. Um, you don't want the snake going around and, and getting getting in between something or underneath something or, or whatever the case is because then it's just a pain in the ass to try and get it out. Um, so I tend to have plenty of room working where I'm working and then from that point in time it makes it easier. Um, the, so your enclosure design is, is really important. Um, the other thing that I've got inside some of the enclosures, I've got a trap box system set up. Um, so I'll use trap boxes inside the enclosures and when I'm doing having to do work unless I'm trying to remove head scales or sexing snakes or anything like that I'll use tubes um, have you got, do you guys use tubes at all or anything like that have you guys used tubes before I've seen tubes used on various venomous snakes I don't have the need for tubes because I don't have anything oh. that will kill me I've so, used them no, for no, scrubs. No, 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 awesome. no, yeah, I've, I've used, used them for scrubs. Yeah, I've used them for scrubs. Mate, for for pythons, they're awesome, eh? I, I use them for pythons all the time. For probing snakes, hmm. it's brilliant. Yeah, you know, because like they sort of stay, stay still, right? Yeah, yeah, they stay still. They're in the tube. They yeah. don't move. That's so, awesome. No, and, like, I mean, I mean, if you've got... I mean, also, too, the other thing as well is you can... You can put it into a tube, right, and then you can get your wife or your partner or anything like that. You may not be flash on snakes. You can get, I mean, I'm lucky my wife is, she's as snake mad as I am. So um, that, that's fine. I've always got, I'm, I'm helping her half the time, you know what I mean? Um, so so at the end of the day, it's like, it, it's great to have, um, it's great to have somebody else there. And if you're putting that animal into a tube, you can put it into a tube and then you can walk into the other room and go, hey, can you please hold this, darling? And she holds the snake in the end of the tube. She's got no risk of getting bitten or anything like that. And then you can take the other end of it and then you can hold it with one hand, hold the, the vent with one hand and you can put the probe in the other. And that, that way then you can probe the animal perfectly fine without having the animal struggling or anything like that. Um the other thing that I would be using tubes for as well, um, obviously we don't have to worry about it here, um, is if you're importing animals. Um, if you want to right. carefully, really carefully go over them and look for um, parasites or anything like that, you can do that. And also giving injections. Great way of restraining yeah. for an injection. You yeah, know, it can't move still. around or anything like that. It, it can't, you know, it, it's really, really simple. Um I'm obviously just cleaning between the years. And like those tubes cost me 
maybe twenty dollars or thirty dollars. You know, it wasn't wasn't like they were expensive or anything like that. Um, right. So I mean, for what for what they are, absolutely brilliant. Um, mate, the other thing that's really important, and and you know, I mean, we're talking about tooling, but we're also sort of talking about the the room itself as well. Um, is removal escapes. Escapes are a big deal. Mm-hmm. You, you don't want anything coming out of your room. Now, I don't know what size room you guys have got, but do you guys have sinks in your snake room? No. Have you got a sink in uh, there? Or? I, I, I have an offshoot. Um, I have a sink in a side room. All right. So, so no. well, I'm always paranoid about stuff getting out through the bottom of the sink. So, so what I've done is in the base of my sink is I've got, you know, those sink strainers. You can put those sink strainers in. So I've got mm-hmm. one of those that sits in there. Um, and then what I've also got, I mean, all of my vents have got mesh. It's a powder-coated stainless steel woven mesh. Um, and then I put the sink strainer in, and then I put a piece of the mesh over the top. And so in the snake room, if I walk out into the snake room now, in there it's got the sink strainer, and then it's got the piece of mesh over the top. So if something was to get out, it can't get out through the drain holes on the on the sink. Um, and then get out into the into the sewer system. Really, really simple. Works great, and it takes two seconds. And you know the the reality of it is is that if it's easy and easy to use and easy to work with, then you'll use it. If something's right. too hard yeah. to work with and too hard to use, you end up going, I'm not going to I'm not going to keep using this. You know what I mean? Um, True. So it's it's all about doing things the right way and setting things up the right way. Um, I suppose the or the sink area. Um, the other thing that's really important is all of, we've got extraction fans. So on our extraction fans and on our air conditioners as well, they've also got um, mesh covers on them as well. So anything that can get out in the room, it can't actually get out of the room itself. It can't. So anywhere that goes out of the room, it can't get through. Um, gotcha. So extraction fans, same thing, same sort of deal. Um around the doorways, each of the doors, the doors shut into a recess. So I've got a stainless steel trim that goes around the door. Um, and that um, that stainless steel trim that goes around the door is what the door shuts against. So when the door, when you shut the door, it's shutting up against a piece of stainless steel all the way around. So there's nothing that, if it can't get out through the side of the, side of the door. There, I've got a ridge on the bottom that the door sits onto, and then there's a rubber a rubber mat on the bottom of the door itself that runs along. So when it shuts, there's rubber that goes up against a metal seal, which means that even if something, you know, a, a tiny hatchling, you know, something smaller than a baby potensis gets out, then it's stuck in the room. Um, you know, all of the room itself, I mean, I built all of the cages themselves are built into the walls. Um, so there's no way things can get behind caging, and then the racks that are in the centre of the room are on on wheels. Um, so again, th- this whole setup is so that it's designed that I can get in there and do what I need to do without having any issues. Um, the door itself has signage onto the room to say that there's venomous snakes inside. It's locked, um, and there's windows. Now, the whole idea of the windows there is to uh, prevent somebody turning around and um, uh, basically going into the room and seeing they can see me on the other side of the door they can also see if a snake or something like that is loose on the other side of the door before they walk in Um, 
you know, it's all of these things that we do that you know we should always be trying to do do things the right way. Um, I've also decided that the door is going to be a signing board as well. So when people come into the new Herper and all the rest of it, they get to scribble their name on the door to say that they've been here, so to speak. Um, and then hopefully nice. in a few years' time, I can look back and have a few laughs and look at all the people that have scribbled their name on the door. Um, That's cool. The first guy that <clears throat> the first guy that wrote on on the door said that he stole snakes from there so it looks like that's going to be like a running joke now there'll be little little uh little jokes and things like that they're going to get it put up on there so you know <laughs> that, that's the whole idea having a few laughs and things like that you know at the end of the day i mean we can do this and still enjoy ourselves as well you know it's it's, it's all about doing things the right way um the entrance into the room before you get into that room there's a you can see there's some racks and things like that on the side i i don't like clutter. All of my clutter, all of the stuff that goes inside enclosures, spare food bowls, water bowls, spare tubs, etc., etc., all that sort of stuff is outside the room. I don't want it in the room where I'm working with the animals because, again, it's something that's just going to get in the bloody way. Um, so I'm trying to keep, I've tried to keep it as clear as possible. And if it's clear and all the rest of it, then it's, then it's safe. It's as simple as that. Um, and it's all about safety. It really is. Because at the end of the day, you, you don't want to go through and get a catheter like I did. That that sucks. So, yeah, <laughs> go, go back from that. <laughs> um, so when you're actually pulling the snakes out of the enclosures, generally speaking, there's there's a couple of different ways that I'll do it. Usually I'll, I'll hook and pale. Um, fast, fast-moving elapids and all the rest of it don't tend to always sit on two hooks. Um, so I'll, I'll hook the snake up usually with my right hand because I'm left-handed, and then I'll pick it up with, pick it up by the base of the vent, around the vent, with my left hand, and then I will take it into the into the bucket and, or into the bin, let it go into the bin, and then put the lid on the bin, and then I'll go and clean the water bowls and clean the enclosure and all the rest of it. Um, the reverse, you know, take the, lid off the, take the lid off the bin with the hook in your hand already, lift the bin lid up and you bring the bin lid towards you so you use it like a shield in case something's coming out towards you at least you've got something to sort of push it away with and then you'll hook the snake up and then put it back into the enclosure um snakes will get into a routine if you do things the same way and do it at the same time and all the rest of it they do tend to get into a routine um when they get into a routine it does make it easier for you as well um my tubs, my tub racks and things like that, I, I'm a little. My tubs are probably a little bit different to, to a lot of the tub styles you guys use. Um, I'm just putting a photo up of one of them now. Um, most people who they have tub racks, is they they don't have lids on their tubs. Obviously, when you're dealing with venomous snakes, I like having a lid. So you can see there that my lids, have, my tubs have got lids halfway. That, that I've got a hinge on them halfway so I can open gotcha. it out and I can flip the lid up when I want to um, and that way then I don't have an issue with just having sliding something out if I can't see the snake in the back at least when I open it up I've got a lid on the top I can see what's going on um, if I just have a conventional tub then I'm sliding it out I don't necessarily see what's going on um, do, you have, do, you have clear, do, you, do you have clear yeah. lids on purpose? is that yes I've yeah, so I can okay. see through them. Right. So I can see through. Um, the, the other alternative, is, and I see that a fair bit, is if you've got tubs like that, is you use a hook and open the tub. You don't pull it out with your hand. You use a hook to pull it out. Um, mm-hmm. So you you use it. Um, you use a hook to actually slide the tub out if you if you don't have a, a lid on the tub. 
Um, because I, I build my own racks and all the rest of it, I just do it that way. Um, I build them with the lid on. Um, I find it better that way. My juvenile stuff... Uh, click. Um, when I'm doing my juvenile caging and things like that, my juvenile racks... They've all got the lids on them, and so I can pull the whole cage out, put it up onto a bench, and then I can open that up from there. Um, and then deal with it in that in that way. So nice and simple. The other thing that I've got is we've always got systems as well. Um, you'll see there, there's some tubs, the tubs down the bottom of that rack there that are all upside down. Um, those ones that are upside down don't have animals in them. So our system is, is that if there's nothing inside a tub, then the tub goes upside down in the rack. Um, so I know for a fact that there's nothing in those enclosures. Smart. I don't need to serve them or anything like that. Makes it easy. When I slide those mm-hmm. tubs out, the, the name label is on the top of the tub. Um, so as I get it out, once I've got it out, I can see what's inside it before I open the enclosure. Um, again, working with these things, is like, because I've got two... There's two people working with these animals. It's a bit like a zoo system. So you need to be leaving... You need to have decent signage on your enclosures and you need to know what's going on in there. Um, we've got a whiteboard that sits above the sink and any messages to each other can get written on there as well. So let's say, I don't know, you're servicing enclosure and you go, oh, yeah, this this snake looks like it's going to have a bad shed or something like that, so we'll just write bad shed, BHP, cage X, you know. Um, and so then we know what's going on. Um, it, it works It works really, really well. Um, so, so that works well. Um, I suppose the other thing there as well is... Um, uh, our caging, our heating, all of our heating is with heat cords. Um, so the heating isn't inside the enclosure, so we don't have risks mm-hmm. of burns or anything like that. Um, the enclosures, that, the large enclosures that are around the outside, they're all heated with tiles. Um, so there's a heat cord that's set underneath a, a tile that is siliconed in place. Um, and those those tiles then basically act as your, your thermal sink so the animal can get heated up by that tile um, and and go from there. There's a service area, which is that, those white vertical sort of areas in those photos. Those service areas have got um, is where all the heating is kept. So all of the ca- all the cables and stuff like that are out of the bloody way, and they're not they're not sort of getting in your way uh, when you when you're dealing with things. You don't want things getting in behind cords and stuff like that. And you know it doesn't look neat either. And I, I like things to look neat. Um, uh, lighting in there I've got emergency lighting as well as uh, LED light panels so there's 30 LED light panels running down the length of the room Um, so it gives me nice even light all the way across if I have a a light panel shit itself well it doesn't matter because I've still got plenty of other lights Um, what I see a lot of people do in their venomous rooms is they have one single light or they have one light off a circuit Um, if you're working in that room and then you have a power failure and you've got a Taipan in your hands at night, it's oh kind of sucky. It's pretty <laughs> that, that's bad. That's not good. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not good. So it's pretty important. Or, you know, if you're using a head torch at night and walking around your room in a head torch with a head torch because you don't want to disturb their night pattern. Um, again, you know, you don't want your batteries just to fuck out on you or anything like that. So um, so we've, we've found that to be fairly important. So we've got our lighting on a couple of different circuits and... So if if one circuit drops, the other one thing, and then we've got 
two battery power emergency lights in there as well. So um, if if the light if the power drops to the room, these lights come on, and then at least that gives you enough time to put the animals away and then you can get out and you've got enough light to see what you're doing, and so you don't don't end up bloody getting bitten by something you shouldn't get bitten by. Um, so. You know, that's, that's all stock standard sort of stuff, really. But it's stuff that you need to think about. I mean, reality of yeah. it is, if you're dealing with a python, well, worst case scenario, you're going to cop a bite or something like that. It's just going to suck. It's not going to be great. But at the end of the day, it's not going to kill you. Um, right. So, yeah. And it also means you don't have to get another catheter. So, you know, there's, there's always bonuses. Yeah. That comes, that comes from that. yeah, you just bleed a little bit. Yeah. Uh, mm, mm, mm. Man. So... Um, the other thing I've got on my enclosures, I'm big on ventilation. Um, mm-hmm. Many, many enclosures, I, I tend to see a lot of the store-bought stuff and, and uh, even a lot of the tubs and stuff that I see that people do, they don't put enough ventilation in them. You know? um, and that's, I think a lot of RIs are a direct result of poor ventilation in enclosures, you know, stuffiness and things like that. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of those tub racks, you know, they set them up so they're about a millimetre down from the top and you've got a little bit of airflow across the top. All of my enclosures have have um, airflow across the front as well. Um, and then I have a, a fan in the room that will circulate some of the air as well. So I'm trying to get some air moving around, air moving around in there. And I don't tend to have the issues with RIs touch wood that that I had previously because I've, I've pushed on the on the ventilation side of things. Um, you know, so maybe that's something for, for other people to think about. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically it in that regard. In regards to caging, um, obviously you want um, you need to have a second means of of closing the enclosure, um, whether that be a pin or a lock or a catch or a tag or something. Um, don't just have something there that just shuts. You know, a sliding glass, a sliding glass or a sliding acrylic door that doesn't have a lock on it. Um, you want a pin or something like that that actually pins through and locks that enclosure into place. If you if you follow what I'm saying, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, it just prevents you from from potentially leaving a closure an enclosure open. Um, and then if you leave something open, then you've got to try and find it again, and, and that's always sort of sucky. Um, I'm trying to think what else. That's about it in that regard. Um, Feeding, obviously, you feed exactly the same way you do with, with pythons, except you don't use your hands when you're offering them food. Um, <laughs> offer them food on the end of tongs. You know, don't 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 stuff that up. I, oh, I may have fed a death adder with my fingers. Um, once oh my I ended up having a, had a had a death adder hang off my fingers. I, I literally. I didn't mean to feed it with my fingers. I, I, I opened the opened the cage and I, I just had to think in my hand. I went to throw it in. And as I've gone to throw it in, my fingers have gone down towards the enclosure and it's bitten me on the finger as I've, as I've dropped it in. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that again, kind of sucked. Um, you know, I mean, it sounds like I get bitten a lot. I really don't. Um, it, but I've been doing it for a long time and I've made plenty of mistakes. And unlike a lot of people that do keep venomous, I don't necessarily, even though I know it's a stuff-up and I'm embarrassed by my stuff-ups, I'd rather tell people about it because at least that way, if I tell them about it, then hopefully they can not make the same mistake that I fucking made. Um, right. So that's that's 
that's my case on it. Um, you know, I, Jim Harrison posted something up on, on Facebook a little while ago. He was using a tube, and he had the tube shatter in his hand where he had, he had a... Um, oh, uh, Christ. A casabel, a big a six-foot casabel in a, in a tube. And the, they use the tubes there to restrain the body of the snakes while they're, they're milking them. Um, and so the tube snatched, and then he was holding on a very unhappy casabel and, and ended up getting both barrels into his hand. Um, you know, so, I mean, these things happen. I mean, I never thought to look at the integrity of my tubes um, before I used them. I do now. Mm-hmm. I do double-check them and make sure that there's no blisters or cracks or anything like that. I mean, they're acrylic, so they can break. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. Um, go from there. Um, a few other things. I mean, I I use I weigh my snakes fairly regularly as well. When I'm weighing them, I use Ziploc bags. So I'll place them into a Ziploc bag and weigh them. Um, I I like keeping an idea of weights on on my animals for growth rates. So there's I'm just weighing a death out of there in a bag. Um, so all of these things, you know. In, Again, using a clear bag when you're weighing things so you can see what's going on. You don't put your fingers at risk or anything like that when you're doing it. Um, so all of these sort of management things are fairly important. Um, when I'm weighing large snakes, I use large large Ziploc bags um, as opposed to when I'm weighing pythons where I'll use, when I'm out in the field, I'll use um, you know pillowcases and things like that which aren't, aren't so much of an issue. So um, all about those sorts of things. Um Trap boxes, I'll use trap boxes in, in some of the, the faster-moving enclosures, uh, faster-moving snakes. Um, this is a, a trap box you can make up for, for about uh, $3, uh, made out of a couple of um, margarine containers. Very, very simple. So that's it shut. And that's it open. So basically what you do is you have your margarine container and you have a hole, hole cut in the side of it. And then when you want to go in and actually service the enclosure, you just put another margarine container over the top. It nestles over the top of it, shuts it up, and then you can just, the snake can't get out. It's stuck. And oh, you can go okay. and clean, the, clean the enclosure. Now, that works really, really well with really flighty colubrids and really flighty pythons as well. works fantastic with those. Now, yeah, sometimes you get those really nervous, um, those nervous hatchlings and things like that that really don't like mm-hmm. being touched and they get really runny and stuff like that. Well, there you're not, you're not having to touch the babies at all then. You're not stressing them out. You literally lift them out of the enclosure. You can clean the enclosure, put them back in, and they literally don't know what's happened and they don't stress out at all. So I've, I've done that a fair bit when I've had um, black-headed pythons that are problem feeders. I'm perfect for them. You know, they go in, they feel secure. And that way their hide to them is always secure. Um, right. You know, snakes, snakes right. need to trust those hides. If you're ripping those hides out... And then they they don't tend to use them. There was a a study done um, out of the University of New South Wales on working with tiger snakes and cover. Um, So what they did is they had these tiger snakes that lived out in pits and they had three pieces of of cover inside these pits. Now, what they did is that every day they used to go up and they used to lift the cover that had um, the cover that was on the left and the cover that was on the right, and they used to always leave the one in the middle. They wouldn't touch it. Um, even if the ones on the the left or the right had better thermoregulatory properties for the for those mates, after a while they wouldn't use the ones on the left or the right. They'd only use the one in the middle because they learnt that one in the middle 
was actually safe. The other two, because they get flipped over, those those pieces of cover weren't safe to them. So the animals stopped using those those pieces of cover on the huh. side. Um, so you know all these little interesting things. So I mean, if you can make sure that that animal feels safe in, in, in its in its hide, especially if you're trying to acclimatise um, something that's just come over from Indonesia or something like that. You know, you're trying to crack your Moluccan scrubs. If someone's got a hammerhead of scrubs, someone's going to try and crack those. Um, you know, it's all about looking after these animals in such a way that you're de-stressing them as much as possible. Um, right. And making them feel safe and secure. And if they feel safe and secure, then hopefully we'll breed. Um, so, I mean, there's there's plenty of things where it's just standard standard husbandry stuff that you just move across from from working with with pythons across to mm-hmm. all Um The big difference is is just no touchy touchy. You know, don't don't put your hand <laughs> on the bloody snake. It's as simple as that. Um, yeah, that makes sense. The other the other times that I've had some close calls, I, I haven't. Touchwood, as I was, as I say this, um, taking photos. I use a hundred mil macro lens when I'm taking my photos. Um, obviously, you need to be a little bit cautious when you're getting close to 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 bitey snakes for the camera. Um, you don't want to have a, a snake hanging off your finger while you're trying to focus on the on the camera. So, um, so you, you know, again, it's something you just got to be careful with. Um, but invariably, I mean, you, you learn you learn to do all of these things and they sort of become second nature to you. Um, the bagging procedure, the way I bag the animals, I'll put some photos up of that. So if you're putting an animal into a bag and taking an animal out of a bag, it's a little bit different. Um, this is a sequence of moving a, a brown snake into a bag. Now, brown snakes are... In some ways, they're probably nastier than taipans. Um, incredibly fast-moving snakes. Um, very very nasty but if you give them a big black hole to go into in front of you they, they tend to go straight into the big black hole because they're, they're more afraid of you than you are of it so if you give them that opportunity in they go um, so a little bit of uh, um, a little bit of sort of help with the hook and, and then they'll, in they'll go usually um, now those photos there now getting them out of the bag um is is pretty much the same. I've got safe corners on my bag, so I've got a zip tie in the corner of the bag there, of each of the bags, and that zip tie holds off a section of that bag. Now, just because the snake can't get to that, when you pick that end of the bag up, it can't bite you through the bag. Plenty of people get bitten through bags, um, which is a kind of bad thing. Um, when I'm tying the bag up is I will twist the bag up so that the snake can't um can't get out can't can't get out of the bag and then I'll put the hook across the across the twist and then I'll tie it up. So by putting that hook across the, the twisted area it means that the snake can't go up into that, that top of the bag um while right. I'm tying it up. So it, it keeps it safe. So I think you can see that photo there. Yep. Put it up. Then. Um again I mean you guys can put these up and, and, and show people that. Um, and then yeah, we'll when, you're over pulling, when you're pulling the snake out of the bag, again, you put your hook across, you cut your ties off, and then you can pick it up on the safe corners, and the safe corners you'll see in a second. Um, and then it allows you to then pick that bag up, and then you can either put it into the hoop, or, or you can do what you need to do there. So at least that animal then is then contained and not having any issues. 
Um, again, you can use exactly the same procedures when you're dealing with big, nasty pythons as well, and you don't want to get bitten by by a tick or a scrubby or, or anything like that. Again, same thing. I use scrubbies. I use nasty. I've got some really nasty amethystina here, um, which aren't king horn eye at the moment because there's, there's issues there with, with that taxonomy. Um, mm-hmm. But I can go into that quickly if you like. But, I mean, at the, at the end of the day there, I mean, I use them because they're big and nasty and they strike. Um, and, and that way then it stops people from um, from wanting to reach in and pick them up. Um, so it's a good thing to train them on, uh, train them on mm-hmm. before you get them onto the venomous snakes a little bit with some of these things. Um, so, yeah. Huh. Um, now, <clears throat> sorry? Oh, no, 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 go ahead. No, no, you're all gone. I was just going to ask you. <laughs> I know we're talking venomous, but you you piqued my interest with the amethystina. Uh, yeah, what's up with that? King horn eye. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I not use king horn eye? Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, Bennett and Barker did their paper in 2000 on on is it Bennett? Oh, Bennett. Uh, on on scrubs. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good paper. It was a great, it was a good paper. They they did really well with their Indonesian stuff with Tracea and 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 Classolepis and, and all the rest of it. Um, but they got to when they got onto the Torres Strait Islands and the only Torres Strait Islands in Australia, there was a name that was um, done in 1931 called uh, Marilia Um and that's described from one of the islands of the Torres Strait. Now the Torres Strait is if you're not familiar, is the group of islands that goes between the Queensland mainland, so the mainland Australia, and New Guinea. So there's a dotted dotted array of islands in there. Um, so that name is actually earlier than by two years than King Horneye. So chances are that the Australian animals are, if they're the same as the ones that are on the Torres Strait, are going to be Clark Eye as opposed to King Horneye. Okay. Um, okay. But they did not examine any animals from that island in their study. So they just assumed that Clark Eye was a synonym of Amethystina and not a synonym of King Horn Eye. Okay, so it would either mean that the it either means in Australia we actually have two species of scrubbies because Torres Strait Islands is, is part of Australia. Um, right. So we either have King Horn Eye and and Clark Eye, or we have King Horn Eye, or we don't have King Horn Eye at all, and we only have Clark Eye, or we have Amethystina. So at the moment, because they haven't really answered that question, we don't know. So at the moment, we'll stick, we'll stick that we'll say that we've got continue to say that we've got Amethystina, and that's why Hal Cogger has has stuck with Amethystina as opposed to picking up using King Horn Eye or Clark Eye because there's just not the evidence there. The other problem is as well is that when you read that paper, they don't actually give a clear key on how to tell the difference between King Horn Eye, Clark Eye and Amethystina. It just says, if it's from here, it's this. But they didn't examine that and that's the problem. So that's why there's a number of people, myself included, are refusing to use King Horn Eye for, for the Australian scrubbies. Until there's more information done and we know what's going on on the Torres Strait Islands, we'll, we'll, we'll stick with using Amethystina for now. Um, so I, I personally think that 
most likely it's going to be Clark. I, I, I doubt that there's there's been enough um, pressure on on evolution in these evolutionary lineage of scrub pythons that there's been enough to speciate a new species of python between the Torres Strait Islands and Australia. So right. I think that the Australian animals will probably end up being Clark eye. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Um, <coughs> Interesting. So it's just a lack of a lack of um further research. So until there's further research I'm just gonna err on the side of caution. Um but Australian scrubby is different to the ones in, in Southern Papua? Yes. Most likely they are. It's just a whether or not the name should be Clark Eye, should it be King Horn Eye. Um we, we don't know. Um if if the animals on, on Durham Island are actually amethystina, um then that's fine. That's that's okay. It means that we have Amethystina in Australia, which are the Papuan ones on on the Torres Strait Islands, and then we also have King Horn Eye, which are from from originally from near Kent. Um, so then the Australian ones will in, in fact be King Horn Eye. It's just a fact of the fact is is that that paper on the scrubbies was pretty vague when it came to the Australian specimens, as opposed to the really good work that they did on the Indonesian animals. So. If that, and, and at the end, they're not even really anymore. The Somalia now, aren't they? So I've got all that sort of stuffed up. But anyway, we'll go from there. So. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Taxonomy, huh? Fun, fun, fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's a never-ending, <laughs> never-ending clusterfuck. So yeah. Well, well, you know, in Australia, we had in the last week, we've had three new geckos described, and. Our rainforest dragons have gone from being Gonocephalus to Hypsilurus, and now they're in a Lophosaurus as their new genus that they're in there this week. So, you know, someone said to me, he goes, why do they change them all the time? I said, oh, because they're learning more. You know, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I don't mind these changes coming through. Um, yeah. Changes are fine as long as they really do the work that they need to do. And, you know... The more I see and the more I read about some of these things is the more I learn that they, they sort of sometimes cut a few corners that they shouldn't necessarily cut. Um, right. But, you know, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I mean, hopefully they'll revisit it and and go back through and, and sort out those couple of couple of sort of niggly little things and then we can we can put that issue to bed then and go forward on either using King Horn Eye or, or Clark Eye, I suppose. So, yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's cool, though. Yeah. You know, same, th- same I, thing with the white lip pythons as well. You know, I mean, you look at the white oh lip pythons, you know, people, people say, oh, it's black face white lips. Well, no, it's not really. It's it's named. It is named. Yes. I, I, don't, want to use, I don't particularly want to use the name, but it, but it's named. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and, and I'll, I'll yeah. put it this way. Miridinalis isn't the name for it. That's probably a better way of describing it. A better way of saying it. It's not why a python Miridinalis. It never will be. It can't be. Right. No. Okay. Because, you know, the, that paper that was done by Henrik Kaiser, and, you know, it's a great paper and all the rest of it, but it's a viewpoint. That's all it is. It's not a, a ruling by the ICZN, which are the guys nope. that actually rule on these names. So until there's a ruling from the ICZN to say that we're not using that person's names, um, then we've got to use those names that are actually correct. And Miridinalis isn't the correct name, you know. If if that person described that animal in 2000 and, and Miridinalis was described in 2007, you've got to use the name that's got 
got precedence. You've got to use the earlier name. Mm-hmm. And that just happens yeah. to, to start with H. And, and you know, I, I can't see people using that name. Um, so I think people will continue to use the name Blackface One for quite a while. <laughs> that, they're just gonna. That's the best way to get around it. Is just be like, this no, is it's a gold it's one. Really not. This is a black one. It's really not. No. It's like saying that I've no. got a green python, or, or I've got a. I'm going to call it's... Paul Carinata now Rock Condros. You know. Um, <laughs> can we? That's awesome. But um, I, I like the. I like I, the I, 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 Terry Southern. Phillip coined that. Or I. I'm not taking credit I, I like for that. the I'm Rock really Condro. Rock Condro. Well, I told you, you cross a roughie with the green tree, it's the Battle Condro. So. <laughs> Didn't uh, that happen? Did, I thought that happened in Sydney. No, dear God. I someone did. No. I think someone. I think that someone did that in Sydney. I haven't seen that. Uh, I think someone did. God. Oh, it's like John Owen. Two boy. Don't don't ten send years me pictures, ago, Scott. Don't do it. Oh, I haven't just, got pictures. Just, I haven't got pictures. Oh, thank God. Okay. I haven't got pictures. I just heard. I heard a while ago that it was done in Sydney. So, um. Whether or not it actually happened or not, I, I don't really know. See, but, and I've you know. told, I've told numerous people because uh, somehow I, I, I get all the roughy questions from random people here. Um, yeah, it's they're always like, "What do you think the crosses would be?" I'm like, "Listen, if you cross a rough scale with anything under the sun, it would it, and the rough scales follow through, then everybody will breed a rough scale to anything. But if nothing, if it's not." A rough scale on the other end, no one's going to care. No one's going to give two shits about it. It's going to be a funky-looking green tree python, and that's it. And nobody's going to care. So it depends on what it depends on what time of the night though you look at it. Because I wonder, yeah. I wonder if they, yeah. so. Do yours change color? I mean, my roughies change color. They do. They really do. Even though I have them like inside, and there's no uh. like sunlight, but uh. it, they're 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 like a lighter brown during the daytime and then at night they're just like a dark kind of like brownish red and their eyes yeah well, brighter at nighttime when they're scary see my so, in the roof of my i'll go back to my room here for a second which i'm pretty yeah. proud of because i i spent a fucking shit right of time building bloody thing um <laughs> in my in my rooms i've got um uh what do you call it i've got um I put windows into the ceiling, um, mm-hmm. so I've got moon phases and things like that in the ceiling there. Now that oh, put up, you can actually see that see that little light, bright white thing there. It's a window up to the sky. The roughy cages are directly below that, right? So you can see the roughy Ooh. cages there that are sitting there, right? Um, so those roughies, they get like a perfect day-night cycle, right? And they go up and they actually bask in the sunlight. And a lot of the stuff will actually. It's funny. Where the sun, when the sun is actually hitting in those enclosures, the snakes will often actually curl up underneath the sun. So maybe they're picking mm-hmm. up different wavelengths of light out of the that's coming out of that full spectrum lighting going through the through the windows. Um, so they'll use that. But then I walk into the room at night because the roof is, is, is you know black as the ace of spades at night. Um, yeah. You walk in there. I'll walk in there with a, a head torch on. I'll go in. I'll look at the, yeah. the roughies, and they're gone from these these dark brown fairly low contrast animals to all the silver coming out and just mm. looking absolutely amazing. Um, so I suppose that then begs the question is, is if they're hybridized with something else, 
do they then, or will they then, in fact, actually have? Um, uh, will they change colour or not? The hybrids, hmm. like the roughies do. I don't know. I'm not doing it though. Because that'd be so. Cool. I, I'm not. I can't do it. So I would I say that someone else should. I would say that um, you don't really see that. Like I haven't noticed that with. Uh, no, well, I noticed that IJs kind of do the same thing. Um, but when you yep. do I, IJ crosses, I don't see that. Oh, okay. All right. So, oh, because Owen so like, Pelly's do it. Yeah. Hmm. Owen Pelly's so, go from being like drab and brown during the day to, to like silver and brown at night. I, it's I really, really stunning in those. <laughs> I don't know why, but I do. Well, hopefully, <laughs> I'll, hopefully I get to play with them in a couple of weeks. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, hope, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you've been convinced to bring them down. Um, we're, we're, there's a few of us giving talks, um, and when we're going from going from there, while we're giving these talks, hopefully he's um, he's going to bring one of them down. So if he brings one of them down, I've told him that I've got to get photos, a photo of the <laughs> yes. play with it. Yeah. So if you guys get all these. If MPR chat starts getting all these photos of me standing there giving you guys the bird while I'm holding an old Polly Python, I understand why. <laughs> well, I, and it's the funniest thing because, like, I know when the Australians are going off on the on the uh, chat because all of a sudden it'll be like, what is it, like four in the morning here, and my phone starts vibrating across my end table. And I'm like, What's going on? I'm like, Scott is just blowing pictures out of nowhere. And of course now, like everybody else is commenting, I'm like, you damn Australians and your time differences. It's like you know, but it's just. But of course, then I'm like, oh, what the ooh? And then I'm now I'm up at four in the morning looking at pictures, going like, this is awesome. So yeah, yeah, uh, well, you know, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good for a bit of a laugh here and there, you know. Exactly. Um, it's all fine. I'll sleep when I'm dead. So it's. Yeah, yeah, well, that's it, isn't it? You know, we can always yeah. we can always worry about this down the track, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's fucking wild, isn't it? I mean, the thing is that what I find really interesting is looking at some things and then going, Shit, how different is that compared to, or how similar is that compared to what's going on over 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 there? You know, there's all these, you know, there's things that are very different and there's things that are very similar, and it's it's, it's you know, it's all not quite the same same as each mm. time. You know, it's always a bit different. So, um, so what I might do is I'm going to put up some photos of some fuck ups. Um, oh, so that might, might that might be interesting. Um, Let's all lose so our appetites now. <laughs> yeah, so, so this is a photo. The first one I'm going to put up is a photo of um, serum sickness. So, yeah, that that is as oh. it looks. What the hell um, so, is going on yeah, with so your that, legs? <laughs> so that's an that's an allergic reaction. Oh, they're not my legs. They're not my legs. Oh. Someone else's legs. Um, but that was due to a bite from a death adder. Um, is that an allergic reaction yet. to the serum or to yeah, to the, the serum, I believe. That one was. Okay. Um, cool. What else have we got? Jesus. Oh, that's a, this is a mild one. So you can see now. all that purple there. He ended up losing. Oh wow, uh, Scott! There was this. Yeah, uh, I don't know who it was here, but it was some guy who posted online. He got bit by like a rattlesnake or something, 
and he yeah. kept posting on Facebook the progression of the bone in his finger. Yeah, and then the bone, out and the bone washed out out of the street. Yeah. And dissolving, and I'm like, I'm like, what the hell is wrong with you? And he's like, oh, you know, next three days it'll probably be gone. I'm like, your hand is dissolving. It's like, you know, there's, like, like what the hell would possess, like, I, I assume you have some really weird venomous people over in Australia that yeah, do oh, this kind of stuff. Um, have you guys heard of a guy by the name of Neville Burns before? Maybe you might have heard I, of him. I know yeah, he's come over there I, a couple of times. I think yeah. so, yeah. So yeah. Neville's, a, Neville's a good mate of mine. Um, and anyway, so I was, I was doing, when I did my, my, my lapper book not too long ago, I said, oh, I want a photo of your hand, Neville. And he goes, oh, yeah, no worries. And he put down his, um, he put down his, his left hand. And he goes, yeah, take a photo of that. And I go, mate, not that one. I want to take a photo of the other hand. And... So here's a photo of his other hand. Um, and I said to him, he goes, he goes, well, why do you want to take a photo of that one? It's missing a bloody finger. And I said, well, you know, I want to tell people that, you know, it's not not, not always fucking roses. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that, that was from a white from a red belly black. And, and that, that isn't that bad, apparently. You know, uh, you know, apparently, you know, we call them not too bad. Um, but yet the guy's eh. missing a bloody finger. Um, I kind of oh, think that, that's reasonably God. bad, you know. That, that's, um, that, that's on the bad scale. That's kind of up there. You're missing a part of your body. Oh yeah, but no. I mean, at the same time, I mean, you could also have something like this, um, and this would suck. You know, I, I don't want to bite like that. Ooh! Oh you know, that, my that's, that's from a fucking, god! That's from a python. That was from a scrubby, apparently. That one. See, this is why I don't want scrubs anymore. It's like right there, right <laughs> that's it, right there. I'm good. Don't pull away. I'm good. Don't pull away. Yeah, don't pull away. Don't fight it. Let the thing chew on you until it's done. Then pull right. it off. Oh. Don't don't pull away. God. No, a credit card. Damn. Slide a credit card in between them, and that way then you can solve. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I um, uh, you guys have you guys heard of Romulus Flicker? He's a, a no. guy from India. Does a lot of stuff with Cobra. Did this one million snake bites thing and. Madras oh, yeah, yeah, Bank yeah. founder and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, I know. Mate, he's, he's won a fucking Emmy, dude. Like, he's a fucking cool dude. You know, the first time yeah. I've ever been out in the field with a guy who's won an Emmy, you know, it was pretty cool. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> he was telling me about um, working with King Cobras. And King Cobras, they're designed to eat, um, uh, eat, eat snakes, like mainly snakes. So they've got this incredible draw pressure time. What they ended up doing is they carry um, acrylic discs in their pocket. So if it mm-hmm. bites them, they had these acrylic discs and they could slide the acrylic disc between the person's hand and the snake's jaws so they could separate them off so they could then get their hand out without um, without bloody ripping their hands out to bits. And I was thinking about that and I'm like, I've made up a set and I'm going to have a set in my snake room now um, so that if I get bitten by a python or something like that, I can slide these acrylic discs in and then I can actually get my hand out without tearing it to fucking shit. Um, so I, I think it's an awesome idea. Um, but yeah. Um, so anyway, so going back to the going back to the scariness. Um, so I'll put a photo up now of a of a bite that I copped. Um, so I think we'll do it this way. All right. So that that this is about fifteen minutes after the bite. 
Um, now, this is from something that's mildly venomous and not meant to really do anything to you. Um, I was a bit younger and fitter back then when, when this happened. So you can see my my ring finger there on my oh, right hand wow. is, is quite swollen. And I'm sort right. of giving you the comparison there, thinking, oh, yeah, it's all right. This isn't too bad at that point in time. And then about five minutes later, I started feeling a bit itchy. Now, I, I, I didn't think it was too bad at that point. Um, you can say oh, my arms were breaking it into hives. Hives, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that kind of sucks. And then I'm going, oh, I feel really itchy now. And then that happened. Now, if this doesn't freak people out, I, I fucking don't know what will. So my whole oh, wow. What the hell? Now, we're, in, we're fucking 250 kilometers from anywhere. Right? We're out in the scrub. So I'm, I'm starting to freak out a little bit at this point in time. Um, <laughs> I would. But I wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't telling people because I, I was struggling to breathe. All right? Um, oh, God. And then this happened. Um, so it'll come up in a second. Do, 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 do. Oh, okay. you look like you just got punched in the face several times. Yeah, so my eyelids have now swollen and are shutting. My lips have gone blue. My nose and my nose and all that stuff, my whole sinuses are completely blocked. And my airway is closing at that point in time. Okay. Oh, yeah, don't panic. Yeah, keep calm. So all is I'm, well. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going in anaphylactic. I'm, I'm in anaphylactic shock at that point. Um, Holy crap! Yeah, kind of fucking sucks. Um, <laughs> Twenty yeah, minutes later, I've heard anaphylactic sucks. Sucks. Twenty minutes later, I just I calmed myself right down and just just sort of concentrated on my breathing. Twenty minutes later. I'm still feeling like shit, but I'm nowhere near as bad. Um, yeah. And then 16 hours after the bite, I'm not dealing with anaphylaxis anymore. I just oh. really swollen it. Um, so that wasn't too bad. I mean, that didn't hurt. That was all right to stop puffing and all the rest of it. It made it really difficult catching snakes. When I, when I got yeah, to well, that point, so I've gone from looking like death to, to sort of coming back to half half normal. Um, at that point in time, I said, no, nah, fuck going to the hospital. Let's go chasing more snakes. Um, oh my so God. We, <laughs> we went out and started chasing snakes again. The problem was, is I kept trying to grab shit with my right hand and my hand couldn't close. It was too swollen <laughs> to close. So it, that kind of fucking sucked. I ended up going for the drink because I couldn't grab onto a um, a tree branch as I was going along. I tried to grab a... A brown snake. I grabbed the brown snake by the tail, and as I've gone to grab grab the brown snake, that was fine. But I lost my footing, and as I've gone to grab a tree to stop me falling into the river, my hand didn't close around the tree, and so I ended up going into the river with the brown snake on my left hand. Um, and then, so we were both in the water. I ended up letting go of the brown snake, and then it swam across the other side of the river, and then I pulled myself back out. Um, you know, funny game Jesus. Jason bloody snakes. Um, oh yeah, we yeah. ended up going. We ended up going into a McDonald's later on that night, and I put my hand down on the counter, 
And the lady at the counter was just freaking out. She couldn't work out why there was this person that had one normal sized hand and one hand that was like three times the size of normal. <laughs> and like, I'm just talking to her like it's normal. She's just like, she kept looking at my hand. I said, oh yeah, it's, it's a hand, you know. It's not really. She goes, it's it so big. And I said, oh, it's all right. I just got bitten by a snake and that freaked her out even more. Um, and oh yeah. That was the end of it. So yeah. Um, so fun and games basically. Um Obviously, then I've got things like fasciotomy shows, uh, fasciotomy stuff, and all that sort of stuff as well. Um, you guys seen a fasciotomy before? Seen photos of that? Uh, no. I've, uh, so this was from I've a seen, right, So this is from a gaboon biber. Oh, that's mm, a fasciotomy. Mm, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Oh god! How nice are gaboons? I want to keep the gaboons, but I sort of like mine. I like my stuff, you know. Oh, um, oh man! Oh. <laughs> Holy crap! So That's you know, a rough they, <laughs> they slice the what? skin because of the swelling, and basically it's like skinning somebody's arm. Oh my yeah. god! That's from a mollusk, oh, mate. He oh. ended up losing the thumb. Jesus. Really? It's black. It's not supposed to be that way? Yeah, yeah, you end up losing it from there. Right. Um, what else have you got? Yeah, I've got a heap of these sort of things. Every now and then it's good to actually look through them because it sort of it sort of wakes you up a little bit and goes, yeah, I don't think I want to get whacked again. <laughs> you know, you know, it kind <laughs> yeah, of sucks. maybe we should avoid this. Yeah. Uh, um, mm. So then you get ones like this like it, that look like nothing. Um, yeah. You see that? So that's right. A, a, yeah, the two a, punctures. That's a bite from it. That's from a bite from an Easter brown snake. That almost killed that person. Really? No, that thing almost killed that person. So, you know, we, you, you go to the other extreme as well, um, where you know a little mild bite like that almost kills someone. So, um, wow. You know, I think, I, yeah. So it, it kind of sucks. Um, what else have we got there? Um, that's an interesting photo. So, most snakes, are, most snakes don't like get that one, big, but then you've got some things like that that do get large. So, measuring a, a big mulga snake. Um, I don't know how well, big snakes over there. Um, one thing I that don't. I found works really well is if, if you hold it by the head, you can hold it by the head and you get somebody else to, to take the tail. And I use it. I usually do it on tiles because it makes it nice and easy. You can just put the, the nose at one end of the grout line of the tiles and then you lift the whole body up and then you wait for the snake to sort of mm-hmm. relax and you feel it all sort of stretch out and then you can bring it down you can put a, a mark on the tiles at the other end with a pencil and you can just measure it straight out. And then you can just use the grout line of the tiles to keep the snake really straight. So that's measuring a big mold of snake there. Um, he was 2,790 millimetres long. About six kilos, so um, yeah, he would have sucked if he he beat you on the hand. Um, but yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm going to put up some photos now. I'll go away from go away from the sort of gallery of horrors there. Um, and we'll put up some photos of some of these things I was talking about before. Um, so there we go. All right, so. You're saying why do you want to keep venomous snakes? This is why you want to keep venomous snakes. Mm-hmm. These are probably one of the prettiest snakes going out there. Um, and you, know, you don't need a morph when they look this good. Um, when it eventually decides that it wants to load up. <laughs> yeah. 
the, so, the natural. That, oh, so wow. that's fairly bright. That uh, is so pretty that's, that. right? that's a Colette snake. Okay, that's one of the ones that we recommend as actually being a, a good introduction to, to venomous snakes here in Australia. Um, beautiful okay. snake. Um, pretty, pretty, not too bad when it comes to toxicity. Um, you know, myotoxins, neurotoxins, hematoxins, that sort of thing. But it's nowhere near as bad as it could be. Um, you know, it, it, chances are you're going to know about it and it's going to really knock you around, but it probably won't kill you. Um, you know, the other option, if you're not going to keep those as a first one, the other one that a lot of people use are these things, which are, are probably my favourite venomous snakes. Um, these are line ball with, with coastal titans for me as being my favourite. Um, absolutely gorgeous, and, and you can't really go past black and red. Um so, you know, that's a, a nice, a fairly nice example of a red belly black snake. Um, again, not that toxic, fairly fairly laid back, fairly well well mannered sort of snakes. Um, and go from there. Um, uh, where is that thing? Is is that what you're looking for in a beginner? Venomous, something that's yeah, not very toxic thing, yeah, and is a little bit more laid back, you know. Yeah, yeah, you want something that is not, not a kill you all the time. Um, this and is a can do it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, it can't look. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you're going to know about it if it bites you. Um, but it's but it's yeah, it's not not like getting bitten by a taipan or something like that. Uh, this is a spot of black. This is the one that gave me all that grief in in back in 1996. Um, they come in a few different colour phases. That one happens to be a black one. Um, Jeez. Uh, you know, bloody nice animals. Um, this They're is a pretty. One. Oh, mate, gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. Uh, and then you get these things that are That's called the red face spotted black. Oh, oh. And, and mate, they're, they're lovely animals. Um yeah. This is a red face spot of black that I'm putting up now. Um, yeah. These are these are absolutely stunning, um, and and one of my favourite snakes. Um, what we got here. Um, so then you've got things like mulga snakes as well. Mulgas are great. Obviously, their their venom's fairly toxic and and can can make a bit of a mess here. Um, yeah, and they're not always the happiest things either. There's a, He's a, a fairly grumpy one, um, expressing its displeasure with me, with me taking photos of it. Um, <laughs> so he's, just showing me, he's showing me his fangs there and telling me that he means business. Um, they've got some incredible variation though in their coloration. Uh, you, you go from these things that uh, are sort of like a pale brown uh, or a rich red brown to to something that. Um, is almost completely reticulated um, to fire, almost like a fiery orangey red, um, which, you know, they're absolutely stunning animals. So these are all exactly the same species. It's just locality variation um, in their coloration there. Um, and then you've got things like uh, butler snakes and stuff like that, which are... Uh, they're gorgeous as well. Um, 
black and yellow, bright black and yellow things. Um, the hood oh, out geez. like a cobra. Uh, I think that photo will come It's awesome. What's that? Yeah, so that's a... That's uh, awesome that they, they, they hood up like a cobra. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of our, a lot of our stuff would... will do that. Um, they get the shits and then they'll, they'll fan out and do all that sort of stuff. Um, <laughs> what else have we got? So then, so then probably the the next thing that a lot of people sort of get into is they keep death adders. Um, you know, and death adders are just amazing animals. Um, I posted a photo up earlier today um, of a, a one of a, a new morph of death adder that's just um, just been born in the last couple of weeks by a guy down in Victoria. Um, a completely patternless death adder, which is just amazing <laughs> it's fucking gorgeous um so it's that is cool it's gotta be cool it's just insane um so that's pretty cool so I'll, I'll post up some photos of some adders now um adders have gone through a fair bit of taxonomy sort of work again our mate down in uh down in victoria is they're his favorite snake so he's obviously had a pretty good go at those and and completely messed that up and confused that for a lot of people. Um, so you know, as we as we go there through that, it's, it makes things a, a little bit difficult. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've got albino death adders here and a few other bits and pieces. Um, so so yeah, but I mean, it, just the variation in, in the adults themselves is, is pretty good. So that's an albino there. Um, they usually look sort of something like that. So they're quite different. You know, you do get light ones and things like that as well, but um you know, they they sort of variation there's a fair bit of variation in them. Um obviously the colour's pretty good in Death Adders are uh, so Death Adders are so pretty and the head on them is just freaking awesome looking. But I can't. I, I just can't do it. It's like no <laughs> Really? You wait till I put this photo up. You wait till yeah. this one comes up and you tell me you say no. Ah, oh, dude. No. See, I'll say no still, but <laughs> oh, it's so cool looking. That's I'll cool. still no, but no. It's, oh. Really? So cool looking. You sure? Wow. Yeah. Can't can't do it. Cannot do it. You know, Will Mother, not Nature, do it. Mother Nature is a bitch. Look at that. <laughs> How good is that? See, that. But look, it looks like a freaking dragon. I mean, that's just, it's awesome, <laughs> yeah. but no. Can't do yeah. it. <laughs> no. Won't do it. They're evil-looking. You're looking thinking about it, though. In, in a good way. About it. In a good way. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't I matter if I'm thinking about, about it. it. I'm fucking How good is about that? all I freaking want them. <laughs> Ain't going to happen. Right. But, jeez. And then, then you got these things, which, you know, these seem to be a real divider for people. Really, I want to see one. Of, I want to see one of these with the same pattern as the welder. Oh, is that the? Is that the scalers? That's a, that's, that's a scalers. Yeah. yeah. Looks like a. Mate, they're looks weird. Like a suck. Uh, they're Burn. really weird. <laughs> it's like a venomous. Suck, they look weird. Yeah. <laughs> um, isn't like there ones that are these pieces of spandex? Isn't oh, there ones that are God, half? Head looks like a. Yeah, it's straight oh, down the middle. Half, There's a photo yeah, in my book of one. Like that. It's, a, it's, not, it's not my animal. Um, 
it, it, I didn't take photos of it. Someone else took photos of it. But yeah, it was called Rodney, and it was split right down the middle. Um, right. So right. So one side <laughs> of the body is scaled, and the other side isn't, um, which is just fucking insane. Um, yeah, that was pretty weird. Very cool. Uh, yeah, you got you got these ones as well. So those those wells are that I post up uh, black and black and red things. They, they also have a gold morph as well. So there's there's a gold morph of one. Uh, so instead of having the black, they've got the, the orange there. So um, it looks like it's actually a morph um, in that it's incomplete dominant by the look of it. Um, so yeah, um, every now and then you you open open up the enclosure and with death adders and you see this um and then you sit go fuck i've got to get all these things feeding which kind of sucks um so you've got that there so that's a, a litter of babies there from from mum um so they're fairly small and, and difficult to get going and and that kind of sucks um but you, you get there in the end um uh, so that's uh, here's one taking its first breath, um, which is sort of what it's all about. You know, it's a little bit different to, to dealing with pythons where you see them slitting. Now you can see she's she's pushing out of the, the membrane sac there to, to take her first breath. Mm. Um, so, so sitting there and actually watching that was pretty cool. Um, I watched her, I watched this female giving birth um, last year, I think it was, last year, the year before maybe. Um which was a pretty cool thing. I'd never actually watched snakes give birth before. So, you know, you watch her have the contractions and all the rest of it and she lifts her tail and then suddenly there's a one or two baby snakes sitting there. Um, so that was pretty cool. That um, is cool. This is an albino common death adder. So this is a different species to the other albino that we that I posted up before. Um, okay. There's only been a couple of those ever produced. Um and I don't know what happened to those animals. So that's a an old slide there of mine that I took back in 1998, I think. Um, and apparently the guy doesn't have them anymore. So that's a bit of a shame. Um, it would have been nice to have seen what happened to those in the end. Um, yeah. But, yeah. So, so uh, how do you... Yeah, go on. Uh, your death adder just has a bunch of babies. So yeah. now how the hell do you deal with mom... And the bunch of babies all at the same time. Do you just like open the cage, hook and remove mom, and then focus on the little guys, or like is it like open yeah, the door so and everybody's can... running all over the place? It's well, so usually when I when I've got stuff that I know is gravid, not heavily gravid, I, I basically turn around and I get the, I'll put the female into a tub, um, mm-hmm. and that way then I can I can deal with her fairly easily rather than open door enclosures. Um, I mean, you can do that too, but it's but it's not so bad. Um, and then I will have their... I'll be keeping an eye on her, and then I'll check the cage twice a day, um, first thing in the morning before I get up for work. Get up, oh, sorry, just after I get up in the morning, and then just before I go to bed. Um, so I, I'll know roughly when she's due, and then I'll go through from that and and check on a daily basis. Um, you know, if. Um, and then from that, uh, we'll go from there and then basically just hook out the female once she's finished giving birth, mm-hmm. hook her into another tub just in case there's any stragglers, and then go from there and then start um, then start hooking out in each individual baby 
and then I'll set up in each individual baby in its own tub as I go. So I'll have all of the tubs sitting there next to me, mm-hmm. and then as I go, as I hook out a baby, baby goes in, I'll sex it, and then I will ride on it what species it is and what sex it is, and then I will put a... I've got, you know, those removable... Um, Book labels, you know, you can put the labels inside if you're yeah. eating or something like that. So I'll put those on all the enclosures, and then when it's eating voluntarily, I pull it off. So if it's got okay. a tag on it, and I know, and I know it's not, if it's got a tag on it, one of those tags on it, it means that it's not feeding voluntarily for me. So it means that I've got to fuck about with it and, and get it going. Um, as soon as it's eating voluntarily, that tag comes off and go from there. Um, one of the things I use for them is a, a technique called reflex feeding. Um, Mm -hmm. reflex feeding is something that you use just behind the the head of the death adder um, going about maybe the width of the head back from the head uh, or a little bit further Mm -hmm. I will rub a pinky at that point a a very small pink mouse on that point and what that will do is it will get the death adder to turn around and it will bite what is pissing it off Um, and usually it will hold on to that pinky and then just go through and just swallow it um, so it works really, really well. It works well for, um, oh, you get jungles feeding that way and brettles feeding that way as well. You sort of, you tap them onto the side mm-hmm. and then they spin around and they grab it and then you freeze. And you don't want to breathe or move or anything like that because you want it to eat it voluntarily, you know. Um, so that's sort of what it's all about. Um, so using that reflex feeding, it works pretty well for adders. Um, otherwise, you've just got to grab them by the head and, and, and shove a pinky down their throat and, and go from there and just avoid the fangs as you do it. Um, with death adders and titans and stuff like that, it's a pain in the bum because they, their heads are so mobile and flexible. Um, it can be a bit of a shit. Um, so here's... I'll put up some copperheads now. Um, I don't keep copperheads anymore. Where I live in Queensland, it's too warm for them. Um and you know, gorgeous snakes. I mean, their other name is called the superb snake, um, and they're so soft. Like you, when you touch them, they're, they're the most soft snakes that you can sort of see. Uh, mainly eat frogs, uh, but they'll also eat skinks and things like that. And you get them on the mice eventually. Um, here's a, a spotted one, uh, which was a morph. It's, well. it's weird. There's an albino. Yeah. yeah, I mean it's weird because we have copperheads here, and it's a completely different critter and oh, yeah, like yeah. completely different even look I mean it's just it's like so to hear you say copperhead and stuff like that and it's not what I'm normally used to looking at so <laughs> that's just cool yeah for sure for <laughs> sure yeah but yeah that's alright that's all a bit of fun so um, yeah I mean copperheads yeah, they're, they're a bit different I mean you know, most of them do have a coppery coloured head I suppose so that's probably got that name mm-hmm. um, then then I suppose people usually get things like tiger snakes over here um, and they start getting tigers and browns. Um, you know, tigers are great. Oh, they're messy, bloody things. The worst thing about tiger snakes is cleaning up after them. You know, shit everywhere. Um, they, they really are mm-hmm. shit machines. I've never had a snake that, that, that shits quite like a bloody tiger snake. Um, and they, they can be huffy and bitey things as well. Um and, you know, they they come in a few different varieties. Um, here's a, an unbanded tiger snake, so they don't always have bands. Um, you've got gold, golden tiger snakes. This one's from Tasmania that I'm putting up, um, which is kind of nice. Computer wakes up. 
Um, you got you know more classic sort of version of tiger snakes as well. I mean, tiger snakes get big too. Um, I've had tiger snakes that are almost up to two meters and, and five and a half kilos in weight. Um, so they they do get some get some size to them. Um, for the big Chapel Island tigers and stuff like that. And then you've got other ones that are really small. Um, very toxic venom, and, and people really do underestimate them over here. They don't think they're that bad, but, um, you know, you get a bite from one and you'll be screaming for mum, that's for sure. They, they'll knock you around pretty badly. Um, some of the brown snakes, um, you know, uh, there's, there's all sorts of little brown snakes. Brown snakes... Uh, are pretty bad. I mean, they can kill you out of the egg. And, you know, 20 centimetre long brown snakes have killed people. So, um, Jesus. This is a this is a pretty full-on looking one. This is an Ingram's brown snake from far western Queensland. There's not too many of these in captivity. Um, so that's a, that's, there's no, no photo shopping for any of those photos. You know, it's, they're pretty gorgeous to look at. Um, you know, fluorescent orange and yellow. Um, is a is a pretty. It's like a cobra thing. had a baby with a Brooks king snake. It's ridiculous. It's like yeah, uh, that's that's insane. You can see how how much they. It, that snake was really happy with me when I was taking the photos of it. Um, of course. So <laughs> here's a here's a photo of mum, right? And you look at the photo of mum, and you're just like, oh my god, that came out of that. Um, you know the 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 parents Whoa. don't necessarily look too great. <laughs> They're pretty rough looking things. Um, it's like dark and then it has like this bright freaking like gold baby. It's like that is insane. Yeah, wow. so half the clutch was half the clutch was orange, and then the other half of the clutch was like a sandy yellow. Um, yeah. So there's a sandy I mean, yellow one. I dig the. I kind of dig like the little the little tear, like scale right by their eyes, kind of like a. Um, a yeah, that black mark on the cobra scale is pretty cool. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to be like, I want to say forest cobras got that too, but it's like I haven't seen a forest in a while. I don't remember. But, no, no, forest. Yeah, for, Mel and Luca have got something similar to that as well. Um, I think that's to do with yeah. predators. You know, yeah, had that that eye sort of breaking up there. Um, so this is yeah. a field of brown snake. Uh, that's, that's in the Jeez. wild there, that one. Um, so, you know, just a cranky little brown snake. These things, uh, me and Western brown snake, the old Western brown snake group don't get along. I mean, I had my first bite from one of those, and I've had numbers of, <laughs> number and number of close calls with these things, and I, I don't keep them anymore because they, they always seem to want to kill me. Um and I don't want to die, funnily enough. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Weird thing. I don't want to die, yeah. I don't, I don't feel like dying. Um, so, you know, I had these hatching out the other week. These are some dugites hatching out the other week. Um, you know, these things, nasty, bitey little things. They weren't too bad when they were in the egg, but then they came out of the egg and then they're, they're like this the whole time, um, trying to... Wow, they were okay when they're in the egg. I mean, I just put the egg on on some nice, some sort of half nice looking stuff there when I was taking the photo, and then they were like that the whole time, trying to bite me, um, and almost coming off the ground, trying to trying to eat my hand, um, which which kind of sucked. I use um, the same thing when I'm doing with my pythons. I, I use over water 
overwater incubation um, mm-hmm. for these things. So I'll just sort of keep an eye on it and then make sure that they're sitting on the, on the tray there. Um, one thing I have noticed, and I'm going to start doing it now, is a bloody brilliant idea. Um, because of the tubs that I use, my tubs don't have... They're not the sim tubs that have got the, the sort of egg holders. What I saw people have doing, what they're doing yeah. here is they use clothing pegs and they just put clothing pegs into the grills, right, to hold the eggs in place. Huh. So it doesn't matter what size the yeah. egg is, you can use a use a peg to hold the egg in place each time. It works really, really well. I was That's like, cool. I'm fucking stealing that idea. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's and I, right and I said that yeah. to the guy. I said that to the guy as well when I, when I was there. I said, mate, I'm stealing that. I was stealing that idea. That's fantastic. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, then you've got do, brown snakes. Do, do, the venomous, do the venomous moms yeah. that... Do the venomous moms that lay eggs, like, do they take care Protect? of the eggs? Like, no. is it a battle? Yeah, is it a battle to go get them, or do you just kind of... No, not not. Do they not give a crap? Um, no, apparently okay. king cobras will protect their nest. The females will protect their nest. Um, they do. But, yeah, not... Yeah, not um, not not that sort of thing. Um, so cool. Yeah, eastern brown snakes. Um, they're probably one of our most. Uh, probably uh, they, they kill more people than anything else uh, in any other species Jesus. in the country. Um, they're the second most venomous snake we've got in the country. I mean, death adders are, um, are probably the fifth fifth most. Then you've got the tiger snakes, then you've got the coastal taipans, then you've got eastern browns, then you've got inland taipans. Um, the most toxic in the world list is completely different to what is usually sort of portrayed. You know, you see people put up, oh, the, the top 20, out of the top top 30 venomous snakes in the world, 25 of them Australian. It's all bullshit. It's a, a study that was done that on the, the toxicity of Australian venomous snakes that had three exotic venomous snakes as controls and that's being put as that's being purported as the most toxic venomous snake list. Brian Fry <laughs> did a, a really good study um, got together a whole heap of LD50 data put it all together and has actually got this, this really good um, this snake calculator that's got all of the all of, a whole heap of, of venomous snakes from all over the world that's in, incorporated into that um, and the actual top ten list is very, very different. It's crates in the it's wipers and all sorts of stuff. Um, however, you know, we still do have number one inland like toxic venomous snake on the planet. Um, that includes sea snakes. Sea snakes are not more toxic than the typhoons. They are number one. Um, inland typhoons are gorgeous. Um, mine are cranky as all hell. Um, then mine are nastier than my my uh, my coastal pipettes. Um So you know, I open in pipettes and I jump around and wrap up here. They sort of do all those sorts of things. So that's a hatchling in there. Um, they change colour from summer to winter, which is pretty cool. So they, they sort of that's line awesome. up in winter. Um, in summer they're, they're nice and sandy yellow, and then in winter they're sort of dark. Um, so the sand, that's the summer, summer coloration snake, and then the same snake in winter. That's how it'll come up in a second. Oh, uh, wow. Which is like a, a dark brown. So it's yeah, slightly different. Crazy color change. Um, so obviously yeah. in winter it's colder, so they, they need to be darker so they absorb the heat. 
and then in summer they're trying to reflect right. it away. Um, so that's those, and then sort of get into my favourite favourite sort of lappers, which are the, the coastal typings. Um, so you know, they're, they're smart, intelligent, but they're also they're not hard to look at either. Um, you know, beautiful rich reds over them as well, and then you know to these these black things as well. You know, these black tully typings as well, which location the rainforest that happens to have really dark death adders and really dark typings as well. Um, so they sort of go from sandy yellow all through all the way through to black. Yeah. So, um, That's really cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. They're, 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 again, they're gorgeous animals, but yeah. no, I can't. No, you lost me <laughs> oh. at catheter. I mean, oh, so I, I, haven't <laughs> shown, I haven't shown you the super pretty ones yet. There's another genus which oh. I'm as well known that are, mate. These are they're insane. Um, it's the broad-headed snake genus, which is Hoplocephalus, um, and they're they're mm-hmm. cranky, they're cranky, cranky snakes. Um, but you know they're 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 pretty incredible. They're all, all semi-arboreal, um, so they they spend a lot of time up in trees, but they also live in rock crevices and stuff like that. So, so that's one there. Um, they got this cool threat display that they. It's nice, isn't it? Wow. Well, the head's so freaking cool compared to the the head has a crazy ass pattern, and then it's got patternless. Is that their threat display? Yeah. Yeah, that's the threat display. So it sits there and opens its mouth at you and goes, Fuck you, I'm gonna Damn bite it. you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a rough scale. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah, Damn yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, rough scale with scale. Yeah. Um Oh man. But it's cool, like they'll stick their tongue out as they're going at it at, at you as well, you know. Um oh, That's well, funny. And awesome. So, it's like a white lip yeah, this like a white lip roughy venomous. <laughs> Yeah, so they so they hang their tongue. Oh, that's awesome! Well. <laughs> so that's like it looks so. That is so cool. Um, you know, and it, you know when they really get fired up. I mean, they they strike and they they're pretty accurate with their striking. Um, but they do a lot of climbing and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But they're, they're different, you know. They they get these really white heads on them as well, and um, you know they they stick that um. They've got all really intricate pattern on the top of their head. So that's a pale-headed snake there. Um, so I, then I, you've got... I don't think we even have these in the U.S. Like, I don't, I've never even heard of these before. Oh, yeah. So... Probably wouldn't have. They're fairly thin on the ground. That's awesome. Um, so then you've got things like... Um, oh, this thing here. This is pretty pretty. This is different. This usually gets people excited. So this is from Sydney. Um, these get mistaken for diamond pythons every now and then, um, which would oh, kind of suck. Troublesome. <laughs> <laughs> Look, a happy diamond. Oh, no. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, no, he, he's not happy. <laughs> so that's a broad-headed snake. They live under Jeez. the sandstone. Um, sandstone, so it gets to about a metre, a metre and a half long, and, and sits there and just... Um, can can make people get upset. Um, then you've got <laughs> Stevens banded snakes. Um, so not all Stevens banded snakes are banded, um, but they usually look like this. 
which are, again, you know, gorgeous animals. Yeah, pretty and, and all the rest of it. Fucking grumpy, though. Oh, they're just snappy, nasty things. Um, yeah, great wow. to look at, but these things are just so, so bitey. Um, and the anti-venom doesn't really work, doesn't really work for them. Um, oh, good. Uh, yeah, so it's, that kind of sucks. So you don't want to be done by them. Um, another one there. Um, and yeah, I mean, someone made the comment: Am I putting all my photos up? I've got eleven thousand photos on this computer, so I'm not putting anywhere near <laughs> all my photos up. Yeah, um, we we don't have that much time. But yeah, <laughs> um, but these are just a few things. Um, and I suppose with with you guys being in the states, it's so you know, a lot of this stuff is fairly far removed. Um, so this is an unbanded Stevens yeah. banner snake. So it's a little bit different. So they've still got all the funky head patterning, but they don't have anything on the body, which is a bit different. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically it.